The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just one K. No, we're changing. We want a double K. I want a combination K, too, okay? No, the whole idea was that clutch was K and then combination C, so KC, clutch combination. Okay, fine. I'll change it back. He's right. He's smarter than I am. You're right. (laughs) KC, baby. That's right. This is CS and that's AF, okay? That's right. I got those initials right. I mean, come on. Don't make me think too much. You know that. How dare you? What's up, everybody? It's Chris Sims. Chris Sims on button. Ahmed Farid is here. He is wearing his 49er red pants today. Mm-hmm. He's, already, he's already given up on the Lions. He's already changed his football team love. Not really. We're going to unpack that once again today a little bit more. I looked at the film, deep dive, both championship games, lots to talk about. We got some good news to talk about. Yep. But more importantly, okay, how are you? Because uh, Monday was yeah. as edgy as I've ever seen you. I was. I even went home to tell my wife, and she was like, How was Almond? And I was like, Honestly, I was like, It's the most, it was the first time ever I could tell he was bothered by a day, annoyed, whatever. Something was hanging over you, and like natural niceness of Almond wasn't that natural that day. Gone. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like legit, and it did surprise me a little bit yeah. because I'm affected by losses, and more so when I was right. a kid. Right. But like I was legit in like a little bit of a depression. Yeah. For sure, 100%. Yeah. And it took all, all, like all day Monday, and I, like Monday night I got home. My wife's like, are you okay? I was like, I just don't. I'm still not like over this yeah. sporting <laughs> event. It was like, who, who knew I couldn't handle a NFL team success? Right. Uh, Lions fans have never had to do this before. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yesterday, yeah. woke up, still kind of felt the same thing. Yep. I was on Twitter. I got the Ben Johnson news. And like legit, like seriously, like that I was like, oh, okay. I was like, I think it was what I yeah. needed, what probably most Lions fans needed. It was what? like, all right, we're moving on to next year. We're already thinking about next year. We right. got a good squad. We got a young team. Ben Johnson coming back. They want to build something. And then I started to feel feel better. And I think I'm back. I'm back 100% right now to like uh, like normal Ahmed, I well, think. Well, that, that's good. All right. I'm happy to hear that, <laughs> yeah. certainly. Uh, you know, I'm sorry that we're going to unpack this game a little bit. I'm yeah, not sure. But I'm going back Once there. we unpack it, I'm not sure you're going to feel better <laughs> or worse. I'm going to just say that to you right now. Yeah. A little bit warning. But I hear you with the the Ben Johnson thing. That was like that to me was huge news yesterday. Huge. I, I mean, we we know we're going to hit on some of these coordinators and new new head coaches and everything there. But 
easily and excuse my yeah. my voice i'm a little sniffly today i'm a little clogged up so i might sound a little different of all times for us to have a desk that puts us it's basically nose to, nose to no nose no more covid protocols here though <laughs> that's right we're just gonna give it to you and we'll see where it goes yeah i had it now your turn let's yeah. see if you could survive the quicker you can rip through the building with it the better you know <laughs> but but i think i would be happy too if i'm a lion's fan today that was huge yeah. i you know this is Without question, one of the best offensive minds in football, period. Like, no doubt in my mind, it's not like, oh, he's got this great supporting cast. Yeah, he's got some people around, and we know that offensive line and cer- certainly a lot of good players. But I've been around enough to know enough to watch football and go, wait, I don't care who the players are. He knows how to get people open. He knows how to design a run game. He knows how to set plays up. He knows how to call plays in the proper sequencing, like we talk about so much, right? So those I, I put him up there with Shanahan, Mike McDaniel, Kevin O'Connell, who we talked about during the year, Andy Reid, right? Sean Payton, Lafleur, Lafleur. He's in that group where it's like he could come up with a game plan against any defense in football, and you go, "Uh oh, you better watch out. He's got you today, right?" So you know, the 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 big point being. Your Lions are going to be back. Yeah. That, that's what it, it feels to me, right? Like, without Ben Johnson, I was like, hey, I know the Lions are still good, but how good will they be next year? What's Jared Goff going to look like now without, like, you know, a great big-time play caller, play designer, knows how to do things around his quarterback and make him look good? What's he going to look like, right? Those questions are gone. Now you are for sure still one of the NFC powers, right? And right. I know you were there anyways, but like in the upper echelon, elite powers yeah. of the NFC. So from that standpoint, it's amazing for the Lions. You should feel happy. And I'm glad you got a little silver lining of the week. It's it nice, was nice. It was a silver lining. And I think he, what he does well is that he's not stubborn. He, like, he knows what he does well. Right. He knows what his players do well. And it seems like... He's flexible with that, right? right? It's like do what works, do what is the Amon Ross St. Brown, whatever's best for him, we'll do that. Whatever's best for Gibbs, we'll do that. You definitely have defined roles, yeah. right, where he knows like, oh, it's Brock Wright. He's going to block tight end. He's gonna block. Every now and then we'll throw him a ball here and there when the team's not ready for it. Laporta will be the guy. Jamison Williams is the guy that's going to go deep. Reynolds is going to do a little of everything, right? So, you, yes, he understands players, their skill sets, how to use them, and what's the best way to get the most out of them, yep. let alone the offensive line. And listen, that too with the, Bobby, uh, with the Ben Johnson thing, that is huge also because that's a big blow to the Washington Commanders. Ugh. It really is. The Commanders, where they are, sitting pretty for a top quarterback in the draft, right? He's the guy that comes in and goes, wait – no, no, we're good with Sam Howell, and let's use this on other stuff. Or he's, hey, I know who to pick for my offense, and let's get this thing rolling. And as we know, offensive coordinators, guys that can develop quarterbacks, turn them around, whatever, that is the it thing right now in coaching. And I think the commanders, and I think everybody around football, you know, and, and I said this today to Florio on PFT, oh, agents, coaches, everybody, I think felt like Ben Johnson of the commanders was going to happen. Ben Johnson is a real coach. He's not a political adversary. He's not calling around, right? He reminds me a lot of Shanahan, where he's just like, just I just want to be locked in a room and come up with a game plan. I don't want to have to call this guy and this agent and this beat writer to try to politic and get the job, right? I don't think he's like that. Hmm. Let alone, I think he knows he's really good, right? Like Shanahan did when he was in Atlanta. And he was like, wait, I, when I'm a head coach, I might only have one shot at this. 
I'm going to be in a spot where it's all set up exactly the way I like it. And there was something there with the commanders that he didn't like. Or maybe he wants more power or more years on his contract. So he's like, you can't get rid of me after two years, right? Let your, like, let your plan develop, right? Six-year contract. Okay, you got to keep me for a few years here so I can work this. You know, did he have an issue with Adam Peters, the new GM there, having all the power? I wonder. I'll get the story eventually, but that was a shocker to me yesterday that he did not take that job and was going back to the Detroit Lions. Like, does he want it in a situation where it, like, slaps him in the face? Like, you'd be dumb not to take this. Does he want it in a situation where he's not having to do that and coach a team, too? Because, I mean, like, if he's sitting at home for a month, yeah. maybe it's different, right? right? And he's got nothing, no one, nothing else to think maybe about. Little, yeah, 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 right. Who knows? But uh, Bobby Slowick, too, I think it's similar because he's going back to the, to the Houston Texans. Right. And, so, and he's a Shanahan exactly. disciple, too. Right. Which is the hottest thing going right now. Get a Shanahan disciple and you're going to be good, right? That, that one was not as shocking to me. That, me, to me, back to your guy here, was like Ben Johnson last year where he was like, I, I think this was the right move for Slovak. Go, wait, I, I've called plays for one year. I've just become an offensive coordinator. He's probably looking at it going, I'm good, but I don't even think I'm as good as I can be at this yet before I have to go, wait, become a head coach and then – Wait, I'm still trying to get better at offensive coordinator, and now i got to worry. Wait, the defense, I don't like that. Wait, what, the GM's asking me something about players? Hold on, I haven't coached my offense yet. I didn't even get to that. Wait, what? Uh, so I think that was the right move, too. Stay there. He's got a good offense, a good system. He's creative. Uh, confident coach can make that type of decision and go, I'm going to get another chance because I know I'm really good at what I do. You know, I know it's dicey because, you know, you know, you never know. Something could happen, and all of a sudden uh, next year you're not up for the candidacy, right? But uh, I still think it's, it's one with Slowick. It's I'm not ready yet. I think I need a little more seasoning. Ben Johnson, I think it's more I'm the man, and I'm going to wait until I get a job, and the three or four most important things to me are all lined up the way I want them to be, right? And I think the commander's thing must have had something there that he just didn't like or didn't trust. And he was like, I'm not going into my first rodeo like this. So we're going to get into your notes on both these conference championship games. We'll take a look at that. Um, We'll get into our discussion of the fourth down plays again, I'm sure, because I I was going on uh, YouTube. And people were like, man, this is the first, like, legit time that, like, Chris and Ahmed haven't agreed on something. Like, this is, like, two, like brothers going at it a little bit and i was like yeah so we'll 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 go back to that uh, again you usually push back on things that yes. i might say that you go okay people are gonna think this is critical and you give the other side of the story yeah this was a this conversation on monday where you're like no fuck you you're wrong <laughs> and, well, and you usually don't do that well, which that, was a, which was a, it was refreshing honestly <laughs> it was very dan campbell of you all right it was kneecap biting yeah, i liked right. it this is what, I, it was it's what we do it was grimy it was tough it was grit i like it so i've always said this about you it's like there are two types of analysts out there there are ones that you know sound like chris sims and those that will eventually sound like chris sims because i do feel like you're right on most things i am just fortunate in the one time that we have the disagreement that i am the one that's right so <laughs> yeah. i am lucky in we that we shall see as we unpack okay uh, so we'll, we'll get to that but let, let's real quick finish up this conversation because right. you haven't really on here talked about some of these these moves for yeah. offensive coordinators defensive coordinators right. head coaches we're not going to get into all of them but we already talked about ben johnson bobby slowick yep. going back to their respective teams steelers have a new guy Ooh. arthur smith Ooh. Head coach no longer in Atlanta. Me likey. Me likey a lot. He was with Derrick Henry in Tennessee. Right. Great, great running attack there. Right. I don't know if people – I tried to, like, bring this up again to Florio today, right? Because Arthur Smith, we see – I think we've seen the offense the last few years in Atlanta. 
And we go, well, what was so special about that, right? You know, okay, let's, let's not forget. He was the OC of the Tennessee Titans. They had top offenses in football, like, right? In 2019, I think that was his first year as an OC. They were like 10 or 11 in total yards. Went to the AFC Championship game, though, and lost. The next year, they were a number, what, I think a number four seed, maybe? But they were top, they were the number two offense in football, right? The number two offense in football. Hmm. With a guy who's a social media meme at times and Ryan Tannehill, a quarterback, which he should not be, but that's what he is, right? I think this fit is perfection, right? Arthur Smith from the, you know, Mike Malarkey, Mike Munchak, uh, you know, Mike Vrabel school of coaching, smash mouth, tough, detailed, right? Beat you up that way, creative run game, and then... What, what was awesome with Tannehill and the Titans when we were just talking about those years, they were a great down-the-field throwing football team. That's what everybody in Pittsburgh wants, right? That's what they're And they got receivers on the outside that can do that. So I look at this and go, wait, that defense, we know they need a few extra players there. The O-line is going in the right direction, probably need another player or two there. But now you add his scheme to it, his run game creativity – I think it's going to make them a very complete football team and much more dangerous on the offensive side of the ball. I really like it. So Pete notes here that right. the, the fantasy football community hates this move. Oh, of course. Because they've had such high hopes right. for Bajan Robinson, right. Kyle Pitts, Drake London even, and they feel like none of that materialized. Yes. And so his most recent stop was a disappointment for the offense. Yeah, well, that's I, I, I get that. You know, one, I think, hey, P- Pitts and London are real good players, but I think maybe a little overvalued in the fantasy world or the fan world right now mm-hmm. to go, I just would go, guys, these aren't like, I, uh, Drake London is not a game breaker yet. We're not like, oh, we got to double Drake London or we're screwed. All right. So we're not there yet. Pitts is really good. He's becoming a better run blocker. But I think the biggest thing there and why they didn't re- meet, check, meet expectations is why. Quarterback. Exactly right. They were handcuffed in a major way. I mean, Mariota did some good things last year. We know that. But Mariota's a less than, less than throwing quarterback as far as what's concerned or average throwing quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. And that's the same thing with Desmond Ritter. So let's see where it goes here because he knew how to run the ball in Tennessee with Derrick Henry. He knew how to get the ball to A.J. Brown and be dangerous that way. I think he'll be able to do the same thing for Najee Harris and George Pickens. Yeah, and, and now I saw somewhere else on Twitter where they said, that he must just be, um, it's just like a masochist because he goes from Ritter and Taylor Heineke now to Kenny Pickett yeah. and Mason yeah. Rudolph. Right. Not necessarily a better quarterback situation there. No, but I think Pickett is a better player than Ritter. I do. Now, Pickett's just got to start showing some elite ability and stuff like that. And he's been in a tough situation too, so it's hard to totally gauge him. But I think as we both have talked about a lot, right, well, there's things we like about Pickett, but there's nothing that makes you say, wow, or oh, ooh, he's really good at that. If they could find an OC that could make him better or find more ways to, to show that, right? There's not that aspect. They're going to bring people in there to compete with him. I wouldn't be shocked if Florio brought this up, and I, I think it's a good thought. I wouldn't be shocked if that's a place where Ryan Tannehill's the backup this year, hmm. where they go, wait, Pickett, you're the starter. It's not in stone, but you're the starter. We're going to have somebody here that's, that puts pressure on you. 
And if you get outperformed in camp or don't play good the first two or three weeks, we will put this guy in and we feel yeah. confident he can run the team. So I would expect some sort of move like that this offseason. And if Tannehill's not the guy, Joe Flacco's just sitting out there. We're going to bring him in for every team out there. We're going to bring in Joe Flacco if you guys don't produce over here. Um, one more offensive coordinator hire that we want to touch on, too, yeah. is the Eagles. Obviously oh, yeah, yeah. much made about their coordinators last year. Right. You were down on them uh, pretty much all season long. Kellen Moore. Their new offensive coordinator. What do you think about that? I, I'm intrigued by this. You know, one, Kellen Moore is another guy where don't just look at last year. There was a lot of factors last year. You know, Herbert hurt, right? Mike Williams hurt, right? Austin Eckler contract situation, not a top tier running back anymore. Slower, yeah. Right, right. The, there's that. Oh, we our defense is horrible. Holy cow, right? So there, there was a lot of issues team-oriented there. Let's not forget he had top five offenses with the Dallas Cowboys. Here's where I'm most interested, though. His offensive attack is a little different than what they've been doing with the Eagles the last few years, right? The Eagles have been spread, read option, RPOs, quarterback design run, you know, run the ball. Oh, you're playing man-to-man, aggressive throw, one-on-one downfield, right? That's who they are. Kellen Moore... They do it a little bit. He does it a little more through the, the, the traditional offense. Drop back pass game, shotgun, you know, get underneath the center, center, run the ball a little bit. So, you know, I know he has some of these plays in his playbook. I remember them with Dak Prescott, and they certainly had some RPOs and all that. But it wasn't a mainstay of their offense. So I'm interested to see how Jalen Hurts takes to, you know, being used maybe in some different ways than he was in the past and mm. see how he could capitalize on that and maybe what they could bring out of his game to take him to the next level. It's really interesting because that could go one of two ways, yeah. right? It could either go like, wow, we've, we've taught this offense and Jalen Hurts a new way of operating and it has elevated his game to right. a level that maybe we didn't think was possible yes. before. Or, or it can be trying to fit a round thing right. into a square thing, right? as the saying goes. That's exactly <laughs> how the saying goes, but I, I agree. You're right. It, it, I think it's going to be a little bit of like, wait, is this going to be something that expands Jalen Hurts, you know, attack? Or is it going to be like, oh, wait, this shines a light on some things he can't do, and we'll see where it goes from there. But I would think, and if you made me bet, it's going to be the first, that it's going to bring something new to their offense and new to his game that's only going to help him out. And uh, we know he's willing to work at it and get better at it, that's for sure. So Pete notes here the still vacant OC positions in New England, Tennessee, Vegas, Chargers, Saints. Bucks, Seattle, and Washington. Of all those open vacancies, which one do you think is the most important to like get it right? Ooh. Which team? Wow, really needs to nail this. Yeah, fire. like Tennessee, I don't worry about right because they just got Brian Callahan, who's going to be their offensive coordinator, okay. right? So that that's not a big deal. Chargers, I, the and- Chargers. I, I I have faith in Harbaugh that he'll figure that out. Wow, I'm trying to see here. You know. I guess if I had a if I had a look at one right now, the 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 Washington one is where I'm interested to see where that goes. I think so, just because of the quarterback situation. We know they have weapons, right? Running backs are good. Bienemy was there. There was good there, mm-hmm. right? But what are they going to do? What's their new vision? Adam Peters coming from the Forty ers all of that, you know. So that that's I guess I'm interested in that just to see because they have talent to be something special, and they have a guy there already that I go, oh, he could do some special things, but what are they going to do? And that, that, to me, I think is the one that I'm uh, 
most intrigued to see what happens. And I know Biennemi is still on the staff as of right now. Yeah. But it did just hire or interviewed for the head coaching job over the week. Was That was two weekends ago. Uh, but, yeah, haven't heard a lot of news there lately. Yeah, Washington with the number two overall pick. New England with the number three. Likely both taking top quarterbacks there. And, yeah, yeah, New he, England's really interesting, too. Don't yeah. get me wrong. With the Mac Jones, the quarterback situation, Gerard Mayo, first-time head coach. He's been there and seen guys like Josh McDaniels and know how good they are. Josh McDaniels is out there and available right now. But is that too close to the Bill Belichick like school of thought? He doesn't want to hear that. So, yeah, I'm intrigued to see what Gerard Mayo does with, with this one, too. Yeah, and which offensive coordinator in Washington can work with Bill Belichick? Because he will end up there. We all know that. Wait, is he just not going to get a job, Bill He's Belichick? He's not going to get a job. Like Washington doesn't want him? I don't think so. I mean, I don't think he's going to... They've relinquished some of their power to Adam Peters here now, right? Bill... And he wants to be... Bill wants to yeah. not answer to anybody. Is that... Do you think this is what it is? And this is what I've been thinking. Like, there are enough owners out there that want it to be, like, their team. They don't want to defer to a, a giant figurehead like Bill they Belichick. They have a hard time. And there are enough GMs out there that also don't want that situation of deferring to Bill I, Belichick. I, I, I think that's exactly right. Right. It'd take a special situation. You know, I know people a little, like... You know, oh, Philly, right? Philly, maybe that'd be one place where, yeah, if they did fire Sirianni, he'd go, okay. Howie knows how to build a team. I know that. I could coach these guys. Okay, it's good. It's all in place. I'm, their system has already proven itself to me, so I don't need to interject. But I think a lot of these teams and organizations, he's going to go, wait, your shit hasn't worked in 20 years. And now I'm supposed to just trust that the shit that you did behind the scenes that didn't work is going to work for me? He's going, oh, I'd like to get my thoughts into that department there. Your scouting isn't that good. Your team built, whatever. And I think that is definitely an issue. And, yeah, I mean, him and Vrabel, I feel like are in a similar situation where I don't think either one. Vrabel, to me, in a lot of ways, is even the hotter co coaching candidate because you're talking about 10 years you can still be the head coach. He's young. He's in his prime, right? That, to me, is another one that's shocking. But I think a lot of the same way, you know, he had a, a, a GM that was – not adequate for him, you know, to start his time in Tennessee, right? And, and, uh, Bri and uh, Robinson, John Robinson. And then he obviously butted heads. Everybody in football thinks he butted heads with Rand Carthon. And he wants more control. And I just look at Washington and Seattle, the two spots that are open right now, and they have GMs that are pretty strong personalities and people that want to control. They're not going to let Mike Vrabel come in and go, oh, yeah, I'll take a back seat. Mm -hmm. and John Schneider, he just finally got the power from me, Carroll. He's not going to hire a coach and go, Huh, take it away from me again, right? So, uh, yeah, it's, it feels like those two will be sitting out the year. And it, does, it is the two jobs left, Commanders and Seahawks, because every other head coaching job has been filled. A couple that you, that you wanted to, to touch on yeah. here. You did yeah. touch on Brian Callahan with the Titans, right. the guy replacing Mike Vrabel. It's really cool. Uh, Here's my mind. thought with Cal Callahan. He's never called plays, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm interested to see how that goes. It's been the Zach Taylor. I mean, Zach Taylor kind of runs the show there. And uh, what I find, like, I, we, we've talked about the Bengals' offense in depth through the last few years, right? Especially the start of the year. It's always a little underwhelming. As they get going, Callahan, Zach Taylor, they start to crack the code, and you start to go, whoa, okay. Even though it's not like amazing bells and whistles and smoke and mirrors, you still go, damn, people are open. Oh, that's the right run. That's the right throw. That's the right check, right? It works that way. But I just – what also is intriguing to me about this – is like, poor Lou Anarumo. Mm. Lou Anarumo, the D coordinator of the Bengals, has been like, I was the guy. I mean, I've been the guy. 
Like our defense, we we went to the Super Bowl and the AFC Championship game, and it was all because our defense came up with these crazy, awesome game plans. And damn, we have just a little down year. We lose some players at free agency, and I'm just off the radar. Yeah, they go. We'll, we'll consider and, you. And the guy who's not really that in charge of the game planning on the offensive side of the ball, he's going to get the head coach. Yeah. I just I, I felt for him because he was probably like, damn, what do I got to do? But uh, I'm, I'm interested to see this Brian Callahan thing, and I think it's certainly good for Will yeah. Levis to, to have a guy like this to implement that system into his life. Yeah, the biggest problem for Anarumo is that he's not eight degrees of separation from a Shanahan or a McVay. That's the real problem. It, it, right. Well, exactly right. <laughs> it's it, it, Right now. And that's why I said the Ben Johnson thing was such a big deal. Everybody's looking for that OC quarterback mastermind. That's where we are in this world right now. I mean, if you're a defensive coach, you got to be, like, incredible. Everybody's like, well, fuck that. I don't want that guy. Defensive coach? All he's going to do is hire. We're going to have a quarterback and offensive coordinator. They're good. They're going to leave. And then we're going to be stuck with the defensive coach. I mean, that's the thought of most owners right now. It's kind of crazy. You know who had no problem hiring a defensive coach? Yeah. The Atlanta Falcons. Boom. Your old friend Raheem Morris is back. Head coaching job. What would you make of that one? I I love that hire. You know, I know a lot of people are going to go, well, he was already a head coach. Why is it going to work this time? I mean, first off, he was like one of the youngest head coaches in the history of football when he got made the head coach. I don't think he thought he was going to be a head coach when he became a head coach with the Buccaneers. John Gruden, the Bucs. You know, you know, I know everything that kind of went on down there. I don't think after the 2008 season, they were like, oh, we're going to fire John Gruden. They were going to have an end of the season meeting. How could we go forward? Jonathan, John Gruden pushed back against everything the owners and management said and basically told them, like, how dare you question me? I'll do things the way I want to. And they said, how dare you question me? I own the team. You're fired. That's kind of what happened. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like, oh, you know, this plan and we're going to fire Gruden because Raheem's ready. So all of a sudden that kind of happened. I think even ownership was like, I, I can't believe we fired John Gruden today. Who do we got to make the head coach? Everybody down there thought Raheem had head coaching future potential. So I, they made him the guy. Probably too early. Definitely too early. Let alone, like, let's not forget, he was the head coach of the Bucks, and they spent like zero fucking dollars to help him out. Then Greg Schiano became the head coach, and they were like, here's $100 million. Go get Darrell Rivas. Go get that guy. Go get this guy. Go get that guy. And Raheem was probably like, what the hell? Raheem is a great defensive mind. He's a great leader of men. He thinks outside the box, and he knows what a good offense looks like because of working with Shanahan and McVay. Right? A lot of defensive coaches don't even really know what an offense looks like. They just go, that guy's good. He's hard to defend. But they don't really know why. Right? Raheem knows why, and then he has a background with Rich McKay, who was in Tampa when I was there, and of course Rich McKay there is now, and we know it's, people want to be comfortable with people they're comfortable with. So uh, that's the reason he's there, but he is an awesome, awesome leader, and uh, I'm pumped for Raheem Morris. And he'll pair up with Zach Robinson, who they hired as their offensive coordinator to the From Falcons. the McVay staff, right? The McVay staff, and at one point I think was a pro football focus, like, play grader. I think you're Am right. I right on I think, that, I think he yeah, might have been. Was, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Oklahoma State quarterback back in the day, right? And now we'll see. Wait, so could Pete be an offensive coordinator one day? Because I uh, think Pete was a PFF. Absolutely at one not. Point. Absolutely not. He didn't t- keep taking steps. After see, those that are well. good 
reasons why to follow PFF. And then we get to Pete, and that's the reason you go, well, are you sure I should follow PFF? Yeah, yeah. Who's grading these plays? Future offensive coordinators and Pete, which is not a – I mean, like, that's still – Pete still knows what he's talking about. Yeah, when Chris becomes GM, <laughs> he'll be the he wants, he wants he's already applying for that like job. It. One defensive coordinator to talk about here, and we talked about the Eagles on the <laughs> offensive side with Kellen Moore. Yep. Uh, Vic Fangio should shore things up for them on the defensive Definitely, side. Definitely, a hundred percent. This is where he wanted to be. He's a Pennsylvania guy. He wanted to be the Eagles defensive coordinator last year. Gannon said he was staying. He went to Miami. So not shocked at all. Like what we saw when I saw the news on Thursday. Vic Fangio and the Dolphins parting ways, right? I just went, well, let, let me check my watch. The next 12 hours, they're going to say he's the new D coordinator of the Eagles. So I think everybody saw that coming. Uh, and yeah, I think more or less that was a little bit more of a, you know, they didn't fire him. He, he went down there and said, hey, I'd like to leave. I don't want to live here. I don't want to be here. I want to go back to Philly. My family's there. Do that. And that's, that, that's where we have them. They go, cool, just as long as you don't coach the Eagles. Yeah, like, that's fine. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. next day. Oops, Damn, sorry he's, about he's that. He's on the Eagles, and Should've, he's got a lot of talent to play with. Should have got it in writing. Uh, still vacant in the defensive coordinator position is the Dolphins now with Fangio gone. Uh, Washington, Green Bay, the Rams, Seattle, and your New York Giants. Wink is gone. This is a, this is a big hire for Brian Dayball. Big. In a big year big, for him. Because it was a, a firing more because of personal issues mm. than – football field issues that's i mean we all know that he basically fired winks best mates best guys best support system and put him in a spot where it's like oh yeah you want to leave now and he was like yeah i guess so i do if you're gonna like force assistance down my throat and do all that i i don't have any doubt he's gonna be the coordinator of one of these teams i wouldn't even be shocked if it was the miami dolphins when it's mm-hmm. all said and done uh, he's one of the best defensive minds in football. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes. But, yeah, we got a Washington. you got to figure out who the head coach is. Green Bay, certainly going to be interesting to see what goes on there. The Rams without Raheem. Yeah, there's, there's definitely some movement and some, some big-time hires that still got to come about yeah. here in the next few weeks. Will be interesting. It will all be tracked on Pro Football Talk. Yeah. And we'll also talk about right. it here on Unbuttoned. Around any corner, within every battle, And with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. 
Use Clorox products as directed. Let's get into your notebook, your deep dives into both conference championship games because we reacted to it. You saw them on TV. You didn't dive into the film on either one of them. We're going to save the Lions and uh, and the 49ers for later because it's going to get intense. We're going to get mad at each other, and then it's hard to complete a pod yes. after you've done that. Right. So we'll start with the AFC championship. The Chiefs beat the Ravens, of course. You all know this. You saw the game. Uh, but I think the main question, I said this to Pete, I think the main question of everything when you looked at the film, yeah. what, what happened with the Ravens? Were they, were they stupidly not running, changing their game plan? Was there a reason why they were not doing it? Was it, as Graham Taylor says, Damo K. Steve Spagnolo? what specifically did they do to slow down Baltimore's offense? Felt like the Ravens got close to getting it rolling at times, but just couldn't, and is Spags versus Shanahan the best offensive versus defensive coaching matchup in the league? We'll get to that as we break down the Super Bowl, but... but in your deep dive, yeah. what became apparent to you about what happened on that side of yeah, the ball? Yeah, I mean, you're right, at Graham Taylor. Well, of course it's Steve Spag- Spagnolo. What he did, the defensive game plan, all of that. He called the bluff on the Ravens. A little bit of what we said on Monday. He called the, the bluff. I wasn't wrong as far as that as watching on TV. He went, you know, we're going to crowd the line of scrimmage. We're going to scare you with numbers in the pass game. I mean, in the run game. You're, you know, we're in this era of, oh, if they have one more guy than we do, we, we're not going to run the ball, and you know, which I think is stupid. The really good running football teams don't care about that. And that scared the Ravens out of running the ball. Definitely. It's the, th- this is the world we're in. Oh, wait, there's one guy unblocked. We have to throw it now. We have to throw it. Like, how did Emmitt Smith ever get a yard? Do you think your Lions didn't outnumber Christian McCaffrey in the run game a few mm. times the other night? I mean, of course. Yeah. Right. It's stupid. A good coach can go, wait, they have one more guy than us. We can figure out how to block to leave the one guy that we can't block the farthest away from the football. It's not that complicated, right? And that, to me, is where, yes, they dropped the ball. You know, I, I, I don't understand it. And it then failed to recognize not only were they bluffed out of a, bluffed out of what was, you know, I think one of their biggest advantages, but also – I think misevaluated their own talent and what the other what the Chiefs defense is and where they had an advantage there. That's where I think it's shocking. But the whole game plan that you saw in my notes was just about like stop the run, don't let Lamar run. That's all they were worried about. That was the first two things when you watched the film where you went, This is what all they're worried about. Five or six people blitz, so he has no lanes to scramble and run and make magic. You know, five or six people at the line of scrimmage all the time, people in the box to go, oh, damn, our numbers aren't right. Check to the pass or throw the RPO or whatever, right? And that led to incredible amounts of time without a run game. And what's crazy is we went into the game talking about, I think quarterback design run will be one of the things that's an advantage for them. They break out a 40-fucking-yard run with a quarterback design run and then never do it again. And then the next play, guess what happened? The box was loaded by chief defenders. They ran the ball up the middle with Gus Edwards for 15 yards. And then and they don't even go back to it. Like, why? What, what are we doing? So here we do. If you're watching on uh, YouTube or Peacock, this is what we do. Uh, Pete has outlined these plays. This is the Gus Edwards 15-yard run. Yes, right we after have, the long fourth down conversion from Lamar. We have seven guys blocking. We have eight Chiefs defenders. Well, you can't do it. You better throw it. There's one guy unblocked. 
What are you going to do? Oh, that's right. You have Lamar Jackson, so the backside guy is never going to be involved in the run game as long as he runs his, his fake after he hands it off. And now the numbers are even. I mean, look at this. Look at this hole. Like, look at that hole. There's nobody that touches him until the safety, or it was McDuffie or the safety, I can't remember who it is at the top of the screen, who makes a tackle. 15 yards up the middle, run defense, in your face, huge hole. Inexcusable. Inexcusable. I don't understand the thought process at all, and they never did anything and never stayed patient enough with it to where it would have backed Kansas City off as far as weight. We can't keep blitzing like this. We can't keep doing this. They're going to gash us. And it never really made them change. And it, it is, uh, for a Baltimore Raven team, it, it's inexcusable. It couple, really is. A couple of theories from our homies. Greatness Call says, with an untrained eye, it seemed like Lamar Jackson and Todd Munkin were not on the same page. Interested in your what the F happened. But uh, seems like no runs were called because Todd thought it was uh, the pass play failed. Or if the pass play failed, Lamar would just take off. Then it's like Munkin called tendency breakers, but Lamar didn't trust it. Did you feel like there, there was any of that going on in your reading of it? I, I, I didn't. I felt like more... It was just like they were like a little bit into Lamar, Munkin. We got these weapons. We're going to throw the ball. How dare they play man-to-man on us like this? We're going to show them. Instead of just going, wait, they're pretty good there. Do we really want to roll the dice all the time? I mean, detackle our guards, our line. That's the advantage there. But like I said, the Chiefs obviously felt like if they do that, you know, they were betting that the Ravens won't stay with the run, that they'll panic and start to go, oh, get the ball in Lamar's hands, let him throw the football, let him do all that. And then, of course, with that, that's where Spags is great. Now he gets you into, I scared him out of the run. I scared him, right? And now they're trying to throw RPOs or other little throws, and now he's tactically, like, after starting the game off kind of aggressively, now it's like, hey, it's aggressive, it's aggressive. Oh, it's cover two. Some people at the line of scrimmage too, but not an extra guy in the box. Oh, it's cover two, and they went to a quick pass or a little pick play on the edge because they thought it was man-to-man. And all of a sudden, let's think, oh, shit, it's not there. So now Lamar's like, oh, wait, I want to throw there. Oh, wait, what? This play doesn't work against that coverage. What the hell do I do now? So they had some of that too because they became so one-dimensional that it just allowed the Chiefs to kind of – fuck with their brains even more and more as the game went on. And then you noted in your in your notes, in your notebook, that um, the Chiefs did a good job of then once the Ravens got into passing situations, they made the different coverages look the same oh, too, they which are made the best. it more difficult on Lamar in the, the passing they game. They are the best. You know, I think at one time, the Chiefs, it was either like, it was either Blitz and it was Man or it was, Bl- or it was Tampa 2. It was a little bit. Now, there's obviously some other coverages mixed in there. But yes, they are phenomenal at their cover two kind of looks like their cover four. Their cover four kind of looks like it might be all-out blitz, right? It's all-out blitz. It goes to Tampa two. Like, it's Tampa two. It goes to man-to-man, and they blitz. Like, they're very good at kind of blending it all together, and the DBs kind of all stand around the same area. You're just like, wait. I mean, this really could be – one of five things here, and they're good at all five things. And that's where he's really – he's really like we talk about with a quarterback sometimes or offenses, the optical – the optics of illusion, right? The, the 
smoke and mirrors to make things happen, even though it's the same play we've run a few times already, but right. it just changes your thought. They're kind of that way on the defense. Like, hey, it's cover four. Oh, set hunt. What? No, we got you. It's two. It's cover two. You got fooled. Oh, set hunt. Oh, it's all out blitz. You thought it was court. You thought it looked like it was all coverage, and we ended up blitzing you. And they're just good in that way. That's how they combat offenses and really give them a lot of issues. Bloop 33, I feel like this isn't the first time in the Lamar era that they've gone galaxy brain and done this. If I recall, they did the same thing versus the Titans a few years ago. This yes. is a big problem. It, it is. It's, it's the, the one thing. The patience of the run game, and as we talked about on Monday, their answers for the blitz are not sufficient to scare a guy like Steve Spagnuolo away. Which was interesting because I thought we just got done talking about a week ago. Right. They had a pretty good plan in the second half right. when the Houston Texans started right. blitzing. But if you remember in my notes that week, I wrote, I'm not sure this plan's going to scare the Chiefs away, mm. right, after it. Because quick throw to the flat, quarterback design run, Right, the Chiefs are like, oh, okay. We just played Josh Allen and the Bills. They threw the ball quick, the flat. He ran the ball. We could defend that. Like you got to have some other ways, where it's some, um, hey, whether it's a block it up game plan play or there's a route combination that you know, like, hey, this works against cover two. But if they blitz, this will also work against the blitz. And you, I teaching you here, if they blitz, I really love this route versus this blitz. They didn't have any of that that went made Steve Spagnuolo go, oh, shit. Oh, shit. They got, ooh. Okay, I can't call that blitz again the next time they get that formation. Because, ooh. Yeah, they got an answer for it. That's scary. They don't have that. And that's an issue. Right? No screens of the game. No real creative runs. No five-man release. Right? That's another answer you could do. Right? Just send everybody out. You blitz. Oh, shit. More times than not, they think, oh, we're blitzing. The back will stay in a block. Now you blitz, and all of a sudden the back goes, and he's uncovered. The Chiefs did that to them a few times. Like, those are things that they don't, they're, they're non existent. Hmm. And then no Lamar redirecting formations or protections. That to me would be the next thing that Lamar. Like, we've heard about Mahomes the last few years, right? He's trying to be like Brady. He's trying to know what the defense is going to do before they even do it. And we've seen the last two years, he's, he's a general. He's, he's like Peyton or Brady at the line of scrimmage now, right? It's 55, Mike, even though he does all this stuff we talk about. That's the next phase for Lamar. Hmm. Lamar, I can still tell when it's blitz, when it's blitz, they are rely, he's relying on the center to make the calls, right? And... If there's one aspect I think he gets better at this offseason, it's, hey, screw the center. I'm going to tell you where to go and protect it. And now I'm going to know exactly who makes me hot or where I got to throw the ball. And that, I think, will make him a much more dangerous quarterback in totality. So let's get into Lamar here and uh, the game that he had. Obviously, some uh, glaring mistakes uh, in this game, the interception at the end for sure. But um, there's also the strip sack. Yes. And you were looking at that with your uh, with your pen ready, ready yes, to write it down. You know what happened here? How they how they get through? Right. Uh, but something else became clear to you during oh. that play. There's so many plays in the game where you go, oh, I mean, you know, Zay Flowers fumble, whatever. There's a place where you just go, oh my gosh, if they make this play here, this game's going to be different. So here we are, second quarter, right now. The, this is where it also became an issue, and don't show anything yet, Pete. But because they don't really have a blitz plan, and 
they were being fooled with so much, their only answer was really like, let's keep the tight end in, let's keep the running back in and block, right? But what happened and what I was telling you is Spag started to go, if that's their only answer, okay, like I'm going to blitz, but every now and then I know they're going to think I'm going to blitz and I'm going to drop out and now they're going to have eight guys blocking and I'm going to have everybody in coverage and you're going to have three guys downfield. So they got them like that a number of times here, but this is a time here where let it play out. He's got Zay Flowers in motion. He's in the shotgun. He's got Gus Edwards to the right, right? They do keep the tight end to block. They got Zay Flowers, who runs motion-style Tyree Kill 20-yard in-cut, right? Yep. And the receiver inside of him, Bateman, is basically running the clear-out post, right? But he is the first read. You always look at it. He's not open a lot of the times because there's a middle safety or whatever, but you always do it. Lamar does right here. He sees it developing. He's going, wait, the underneath guys are... One, there for Zay Flowers, but two, the angle in which Bateman's running and where the safety, who went way too far over the top, he's going, I got Bateman. And it's a four-man rush. They got six people in to protect. He had he thought he was going to have a ton of time, right? And he's loading up to hit Bateman. Bateman's got it, as you can see on this screenshot here. He's on the 38-yard line running across the field. Lamar's going to throw a football that's going to hit him on the, at the 30-yard line on the three on the field, and we're going to go, oh, shit, can Edwards make a tackle to save the touchdown here? Number 21 of the Chiefs. But as he's getting ready to throw it, Charles Amenhew around the edge, strip sack, and uh, big play of the game. Left points on the board or possibly points on the board for the Baltimore Ravens. Full credit to the Chiefs for getting through on that Definitely. and being outnumbered in that situation. Right. So that was a, a missed opportunity missed that became apparent on, yes. on the film. You know, there was one play that I loved watching in real time, and it's one of the one of the best plays of the playoffs so far is Lamar Jackson catching the 13-yard pass from Holy. Lamar Jackson. It's another one. That was awesome. But at the same time, when you watch that back, you were like, dang, this is another huge play opportunity. Huge play. Great job by... I can't remember who it was that tipped the ball, right? They kind of had an uncovered – they blitzed. They took a chance. They had an uncovered guy in the flat. But the blitzer knew that. So that's where they're next level too. They're literally like, wait, I know there's a guy uncovered right behind me. Let me get my hands up. Ball gets tipped in the air. Lamar catches it. And this is where on TV they should have showed some better replays. Oh. Because, like, he was gone. If Drew Tranquil doesn't dive and clip his heel, he is off to the races, gone. Nobody is there. It's going to take Legereus Sneed on the other side of the field to run him down at, like, the pylon on the one-yard line, right? So here it goes. Justin Reed, great job by him, right? Because this is all-out blitz. And watch as it re-racks and goes one more time. See? He knows, wait, our guy 21 is covering 43 in the flat, but he's way back there right in disguise Edwards but he knows there's a guy oh wait they free release this guy he tips the ball there but look Lamar catches the tip catches it and you can see everybody's running away from him other than 23 and Tranquil makes the play of the day to save him right there because I'm telling you he is gone. 82-yard touchdown pass to himself would have been the greatest play in NFL history. It, it really would have been up there. We've never seen anything like that. <laughs> but it was going to be like the only guy I looked at on film that went, ooh, is Legereus Seed totally on the other side. You see him on the opposite 40. Yeah. It would have been a race to the pylon to see Man. if he could do it. But, yes, there was a lot of 
very close moments in the football game. And unfortunately for the Ravens, the Chiefs, you know, came out with the best of it more times than not. I'm feeling bad for Ravens fans because yeah. I know this feeling right now, and this is probably making it worse. But we got to look at the interception because that, too, as you know, I think when we first saw that, when I first saw that, and I would have never thought of this if you hadn't have said it. Yeah. I was like, well, that was a bad, bad decision from the get-go. I mean, right. you're throwing it a triple coverage. That's, what, like, that's just at no point was that a good decision. Right. But it's it's a little different when you look at the film for it. It was it's it, it, it's another it's just it's amazing how many you go whoa gosh if he just started here it's a touchdown you know Zay Flowers big play down the left sideline when the the Chiefs mix, mix the coverage up if he just throws a good ball and doesn't make him stop it's a touchdown I mean they're like they're you know skinning your teeth away a few times from like making this game changing the momentum totally changing things around so we have the interception down the middle another big moment they moved the ball in the second half but they couldn't punch it in he's got isaiah likely in a coverage where he's one-on-one basically with the linebacker up the middle of the field this is nick bolton in this case he looks to play Rashad Bateman to the right on like a double move, a slant and go. The corner is way off, though, right? I mean, way off to where you're like, I don't know if this is like you're thinking he's going to bite on this move right here. And even if he does bite, he's far enough off where I'm not sure he's going to go by him, right? So I'm sorry. I'm wiping my nose. That's okay. That's all right. right? Just don't want a runny nose guy on on camera. (laughs) Yeah. But. We'll edit that out. Okay, thank you. But, so, do we have the pictures? Do we, we have the have, pictures of this, Do we have run, the right? pictures of the interception? Because, so you'll see here, he's got uh, Likely to the right, Aguilar to the right, Bateman to the right. Bateman, you're going to see, Ahmed, is going to run like a fake slant and go, or it was a, like a little five-yard in and then go, whatever. But you see here where, right now, we kind of have cover two to the top of the screen on OBJ, and on the bottom side here, it's quarters. So it's what we would call quarter, quarter, half, right? And when you play that type of coverage, you could see the middle of the field is open, right down the middle of the, the hashes, right? And as it's lining up, you could kind of see, like, wait, is the safety going to take likely or is it going to be Nick Bolden, the linebacker, that's going to take likely? So let's go to the next shot there, Pete. So they get the ball. It's the right play versus the right coverage, right? And as he has it right here, See, right here, he's still looking outside to Bateman, hmm. right? He's looking outside to Bateman because he's going, wait, Sneed's kind of looking at me. But Sneed, as you could see, at the snap was 10 yards off the ball, right? Here he is. Now Bateman's run five yards already, and he's still five yards away from him. He's just pumped to him. Likely, I know on this picture you're going to go, wait, he doesn't look that open, right? He's got Bolton by a step. Connor, who was the quarter safety to that side, was kind of flat-footed, and he's looking to help with Aguilar or anything there. But my point is, right now, if Lamar's looking at him, Isaiah likely is about to clear these guys. Mm. He's going to clear them. And you're just going to throw a little banana ball right down the middle. Right? He's even, he's leaving, and he's really got kind of a step here, and he's bigger than, than Connor 27. So go to the next shot. Right? So now... Here, you can see he's kind of got a beat here, right? Yeah. But the ball should be in the air and almost there already. It's still in Lamar's hand. He hasn't thrown the ball yet. Now Deion Bush, the backside safety, is closing in. Connor, who's faster, has made up ground. 
right? So, again, if he was looking there from the start, you go, oh, he's got him by a step. It's a big tight end. He's going to throw it up high over the middle, and boom, it's going to be a touchdown. But instead, like, I'm not embellishing this. It's, it's almost three seconds late. It's like he looked to the right, he pumped, and then he went back down the middle late. Everybody's heard that phrase, right? You never go back down the middle late, right? right? This was way late for a guy like Lamar. And, of course, triple coverage, like you said, is what it looks like on TV when it wasn't actually triple coverage. But when you take that long and you stare a guy down like that long, it, it's going to be, you know, look covered when it's ultimately done. Pete says your fans were blaming Isaiah Likely for throwing his hand up when he was not really open. But as you just showed, he actually He's was open, he was open yeah. earlier than, uh, than Lamar threw it. So. Lamar threw the iPad after because he's looking at it. Do you saw him on the side? Because yeah. he's looking at it and go, damn, why didn't I just go there from the get-go? That's why he threw it. Because if he gets the ball, takes three steps and throws it, it's going to be a touchdown. But instead he got the ball, took three steps, looked to the right, pump faked, gave it one more look to the right to make sure the corner didn't bite, then went back to the middle of the field, and that's a no-no at the quarterback position. So grade the game for Lamar overall. B minus B, right? That, that's kind of where I would look at it. You know, it wasn't a bad game. You're certainly not blaming Lamar Jackson. There are a few throws where you'd go, oh, he, that's Lamar. He should hit that. You know, there was a few times where the blitz, like I said, I don't love the answer of, oh, it's blitz. Just throw it up one-on-one. But he had a, one to Aguilar, one to Odell Beckham Jr. where you go, damn, you're Lamar and they're open. They beat their guy. Like, again, it was one of those plays where you go, if they hit one of those, Spags is going to go, shit, I don't know if I want to blitz anymore and do that, right? There's a 45-yard gain to Aguilar or Odell, and like, uh, I don't know if I can keep calling that, right? But they didn't, so they just keep calling them. So that, that's where it stinks for Lamar, right? You know, they were, one, didn't coach the best on their side of the ball, maybe outcoached a little bit by the other side of the ball, obviously, didn't stay with the run game, and then... Lamar was not on his A game, right? I mean, you remember he missed a throw to the back in the flat one time. Sure. Could have been a first down. He had another one where he kind of moved and threw the ball to the right. He had a guy for a first down. He, the ball got away from him and threw it high. So it was not his best day, right? But I don't think they did their best to help him either and make him feel comfortable as well. All right, grade the game for Patrick Mahomes then. A plus, 95, 96. I mean, it might not be A plus because there might have been like one play I put in there where I was like, Mahomes should have hit that or whatever. But it was A. It was A caliber. You, you know my thought. My grades are different. My grades are a little bit more on what was there to be had, not what, what you did. Right? Did you ex- like? Yeah, sometimes people go, did you execute the play? He did. Right. Good job. Right. But it was like, what else could you have Yo, done? Yeah, I go, well, you didn't execute the play to the maximum. There was a guy here where, you know, Mahomes, I'd like you to see you hold that ball. You're smart enough, play enough. You know he's about to come open, and you checked it down. Why did you do that? You got a guy going across the field for a 30-yard gain, right? That's where I'm a little different. See, Lamar didn't take advantage of all his opportunities. I thought Mahomes maybe had one or two plays where you'd go, uh, I don't think he did, but he's also in the lead, and I think going, well, I don't need to risk this throw or do that either. So that's where I'm not going to grade it too harshly. He's playing a different game than Lamar was. And uh, Mahomes is fucking unbelievable. Let's go. That's all I can say. Inside the numbers, powered by AWS. Take a closer look at Patrick Mahomes here, too. Uh, According to Next Gen Stats, he completed 26 of 28 passes under 10 air yards. 
in the game, he had six yards per attempt, his fifth lowest this season. I thought you didn't like Dink and Dunk. You, you hate Dink and Dunk. I hate it. But, but when that's all you got on your offense, you got to do it. Like, way to go, Chiefs. Like they, that's I just it's I think why the, one of the reasons I'm liking the Chiefs more is the fact that they reevaluated themselves and said this is what we are right this is what we are is for us to win a game this year this is the best way to do it and if we got to throw a bunch of short passes and dink and dunk our way down the field and stay a little patient with the run and let our defense go then that's fine I mean look how many behind the line of scrimmage they, one two three they, four five six seven eight I mean like they 10 become or the best RPO screen team in all of football here over the last month I mean he like an Aaron Rodgers is the best screen thrower in football because he could just so quick get it out so on target you know, off of so many different platforms that the screen game is more effective for the Chiefs than it would be for most quarterbacks and offenses because of Mahomes' ability to flick the ball out of his hands and still be accurate in the shotgun without the laces and all of that. It's next-level shit. So that's where. And where the game is awesome is, you know, they're still scary. So you still have to place defenses and go, it's still Mahomes. He'll still throw that fucker deep. He doesn't care. We can't just let him have it, right? So they're like, fine. You want to do that? You want to play a little softer? I'll be surgical. I'll be surgical. I'm going to dink and dunk your ass until you get up here and start giving me some shots to throw the ball down mm. the field. And that's where they've gone right now. And they're they're really like – I mean – they came out in the game, quick pass, RPO, wide receiver screen, tight end screen. I mean, get everybody touches, get everybody in a rhythm, right? Get it going that way. Uh, and then, you know, it just continued throughout the game where it was efficient and it was part of their managing of the overall football game that I thought was brilliant. In years past, Mahomes would get frustrated. Exactly right. A little impatient. Exactly Is right. Is that no longer a problem for it, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs team? It was a problem nine weeks ago where yeah. I still was like, he's being impatient. Like, remember when they were going through that lull of losing four to six, I was yeah. going, Mahomes is kind of getting some bad habits here. He's not playing real good. Raiders game was right. That one of them, Raiders maybe? game. There was a few others. You know, they lost four to six there, five out of eight, where, yeah, he lost trust of the receivers. I think he lost, like, wait, we got to get something going. He was trying to force it to happen. Not the case. I mean, you saw it. I wrote a star on. You know, the, the Ravens' D game plan was like, started off nothing exotic. But it's hard to play that way versus these Chiefs and this guy at quarterback right now because he will dink and dunk you to death right now. He'll be patient. They'll run the ball. And, you know, then we talked about their pass pro is really good. Even minus Joe Tooney, it's really good. Now, it stinks they don't have him because as the game went on, Tooney, Allegretti, the, the replacement, he really struggled against Matabuke. And he's a weak link, something to watch for in the Super Bowl. But, like, Oh, you want to play zones, take away the big plays, don't want to do anything crazy so Mahomes can't make the big play? Well, he can protect. And when they sent four, really, especially early on in the game, he had all day, and he figured out how to get the ball out, and they just, like, slowly matriculated the ball down the football field, as a wise man once said. <laughs> I, always like, I always like that term. Uh, that was Inside the Numbers, powered by AWS. So you mentioned it in the second half, maybe Tooney's absence was starting to become a problem for the Chiefs, started to slow down. Uh, not Bucky Cox wants to know, what did the Ravens defense do in the second half 
And are the 49ers capable of recreating it? So not Bucky Cox doing some advanced scouting for the 49ers. Uh, yeah, because Mike McDonald, I think, has gotten some praise. There was like, you know, the Chiefs, yes, first half, moved the ball. Second half, though, made some adjustments, maybe, and slowed him down. Did you see something? Well, I think the... Yeah, the numbers certainly bear that out, that it was more of a challenge in the second half for the Chiefs. Yeah, there, there's no question. I, I The 49ers can emulate some of the things they do. I think the first half, like I said, they went into the game going, let's see if our front four can get there. Their tackles haven't been great all year. Let's not let Mahomes get off, Andy Reid get off with some cool game plan plays they have and throw bombs at us. And all of a sudden we're like, holy crap, they got our heads spinning, right? So I think they took like, hey, we're awesome at our zones and passing people off and let's try to play that way and then not let him scramble, right? But they're good at protecting and – the problem with him now is he, I feel like you almost can't be right. That's, that's where he's gotten to. You can't be right. Oh, you want to play don't let him scramble? Well, he'll just fucking sit there and buy time in the pocket like you saw him do a bunch of times where he's just like, I'll move here and slide here and, slide, and I'm going to just wait and I'll get somebody open and I'll get the completion. Or at some point, as I wait and I wait and you're trying to contain me, one of you fucking guys will move out of the way and I'll go run for six. And do that, right? He blitz, he's got the answers to that. So that's where he's tough. And that's where, like, the 49ers are going to have to figure out, like, do we want to rush him and go after him? Because if we do that, he could get out of the pocket and it's a 50-yard bomb or a 30-yard scramble, but we also might get some sacks. Or do we want to play, let's keep him in the pocket and not let him do those things I just talked about, but if you do that, he has all day and then he makes the right decision and picks you apart, Right. That, to me, is something you're going to have to toy with. Hmm. The second half, though, I think was just a little bit more. They finally got they, they, they got a little of the desperation mode, got in their face a little bit more, played more man-to-man coverage, right? And I think took a few more chances blitzing as well in the second half. They got into a spot where they started to go, wait, we don't have a choice anymore. We, we have to do this. We're, if we continue to what we do what we did in the first half, they're going to win the game. Right, In the first half, they only broke out man-to-man or aggressive plays kind of when they got close to the end zone or maybe in a big play moment. In the second half, they started to go, well, screw it. The hell of it. we got to blitz this guy. we got to do this. we got to play a little man-to-man. And like I said, it gave the Chiefs problems. There was probably a few plays in there where I go, if the Chiefs, the game was even or if the Chiefs were down, I go, Mahomes probably was going to throw that right there. Mm. But he knew how his defense was playing. He was up 17-7. to He said, ah, I'm not going to force it. I'm going to throw it away or I'll just I'll, I'll try to take a check down or whatever else that way. And I think that was kind of the adjustments there. And yeah, the Chiefs didn't fall into the trap and try to try to make anything big happen off of that. Yeah. And even with that increased pressure and, and defense for the Ravens, they still had a hard time making negative plays. That's that. Thank you for leading me there, because I was going to leave that out. And that to me was one of the points of the game that, you know, the quick throws his ability at quarterback, his understanding of the moment, his experience, all that. The, the Ravens are the kings of negative plays. That's second and 17 now. It's third and 24. Like, that shit never happened the other day. Never. They stayed ahead of the chains. It was like old Patriots. It was like, it's second and six. It's third and two. It's first down. It's second and seven. It's third and four. It's first down. Right? That's kind of how they played. It was a little like that. It was, it was kind of like... You know, I, you know, are they better than this team? I don't know, but they're just doing every situation and everything right. And that's where the Chiefs are, are special this year. So where do the Ravens go from here? Because yeah. they're done. They're, they're thinking about how to, how to fix it. They're much like the Dallas Cowboys now. 
It's a, it's a bad spot to be in, I, I feel you. like. You're I like a you. good team, but like the regular season no longer means anything. Right. It's all about what you do in the playoffs. So how, what do they, what do they have to do? They're close, as we know. I think it's only going to get better. You know, Mike McDan- McDonald, they lose him. That stinks, mm. right? But I, I would bet you they have somebody coming up the ranks that's ready to be the guy there. Um, I think it's just a little of like Lamar gets better in that offense. They don't need much on as far as talent-wise, right? I don't think we'll see OBJ back there. But they got Bateman, Zay Flowers, and Aguilar. That's, that's a good three. I mean, you think with a better game plan offensively, they win this game. Yeah, I do. I do. Or definitely it's like way closer, and they like, put the Chiefs into like having to be more aggressive on the offensive yeah. side of the ball and change the dynamics of the game totally. Like Mahomes right? will have to make a play Mahomes here Mahomes will have to do it, right, yeah. which also could lead to the Ravens' strip sack fumble or an interception, right? So who knows where it goes. But, you know, the, the Chiefs got into a game and were comfortable. And, you know, uh, I'll answer the rest of the question in a second. But the, the thing I thought that was the best thing the Chiefs did, like you kind of said, was the no negative plays mm-hmm. in the second half. And then just the changing of field position was huge. A number of times where they were backed up and they got the two or three first downs to go, okay, at least the Ravens and Lamar don't get the ball at midfield here again, right? They're going to get the ball. They're 15, they're 10, they're 18, and they're going to have to put a drive together. And I thought that was a huge dynamic in the football game too. But I look at the Ravens and just go, it's just a little polish, right? Whether it's the offense growing in that department and then the defense, hey, maybe a corner, maybe another pass rusher, and you go, it's one of the better teams in football, period. So uh, they'll be right back in the mix of this things next year. I don't have yeah. any doubt about that. As of right now, the Super Bowl odds for the AFC teams next year, Chiefs are the favorite at plus 750, but Baltimore right now currently the second best odds at plus 900, or not Buffalo, Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore. And then Buffalo. Right. And then uh, Cincinnati, Miami, and Houston. So yep. I want to hit on like one other aspect, too. One more one thing. One more thing. My family, Columbo has come up in my house for some reason. <laughs> so I've all been telling him about our Columbo. Yeah. There he is. Streaming right? on Peacock. Yeah. And, and so they, they've all realized this lately. So it's become like a conversation. <laughs> it's like I've actually I like did this that. running spoof about Columbo <laughs> with my one more thing. But – did but, you go, did you get that from the pod? And your family was like, we don't listen to the pod. <laughs> they, they don't. They, don't. Uh, they really don't. It's kind of funny, actually. Uh, they'll see some things on social media. That's about it. Uh, but but um, where was I going to go? Oh, no. Oh, I got you with one more thing. Because, yeah, you want to play aggressive against them, right? I'm sure the Ravens were like, let's play man, let's blitz. What we did in the first half doesn't work, right? But at the same time, like we talk about, like, like you want to get the defense to change or you have to do something to scare them a little bit. See, the Ravens wanted to play man-to-man and blitz a little in the second half, and they definitely did more of that. That was part of the reason they slowed them down. And then I also, like I said, the Chiefs were conservative. Mm-hmm. But like every now and then, the Chiefs would throw a play out there, a man-to-man beater, and I'm sure Mike McDonald was like, oh, shit. That, if they call man that was close. That could have been a big play right there. If that guy broke that tackle, that was a touchdown. Or if Mahomes got that ball a little more accurate, that was a t- like there was that. So that again, when you show proper answers, back to my point, mm. the defensive coordinator goes, "I can't do this every play." They're, they they got answers. This is Mahomes or Reed, right? So they had enough answers against when it became like, "Oh, we're expecting man to where." Even though Mike McDonald probably wanted to do it a lot more, he was like, "I I, I can't. 
Uh, they've showed me that they know how to screw this over, and I got to be a little careful that way. And I thought that was, uh, you know, again, part of the genius of Mahomes and Andy Reid and, and Matt Nagy to go along with it. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Save big money on everything. Now at Menards. Make quick work of your outdoor cleaning project with Master Force Outdoor and Landscaping Tools. The 80-volt cordless trimmer is powerful, efficient, and hassle-free. So you spend less time working on your yard and more time enjoying the results. On sale now through May 19th. Check out our wide selection of Master Force tools and see the rest of our deals on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. You know who had answers for the 49ers defense in the first half? My Detroit Lions. (laughs) So let's switch gears over to the NFC Championship game. If there's anything else in the notes that we want to bring up, we can bring it up next week, too, with either of these teams. And I think the Chiefs, for sure, want some of these things that that apply in that game and could apply going forward. But let's flip gears now to the 49ers coming back and beating my Detroit Lions. My depression has subsided. I feel a whole lot better right now. Ben Johnson's coming back. we got a good team for next year. Well, like a good friend, I'm here to make you feel worse. Okay, (laughs) I'm already going to feel bad. Because I and I, I've read your notes, yes, and I know. like part of me feels good too. I know. Because like, man, the Lions were in an NFC Championship game and didn't get just blown off the field. They like deserve to be in there and probably should have won if things <laughs> would have gone their way. Uh, let's start with a good half. It's it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I, I'll, I, as my headline start in a statement, just sure. to start it right. You guys were the better team on the field that day. It's the second week in a row where I felt like the 49ers were outplayed and won a football game. Hmm. Right. That's, that's where it is. It's great that you guys are there, right? But it stinks because it feels like, as you saw in my notes a number of times, it, the game felt like it was work for the 49ers, right? I never felt like Shanahan cracked the code on the defense totally, right? They did a lot of good stuff. To your point on Monday, they moved the ball consistently, but I never was like, oh, he's got them. They're just gashing them, right? It was work, it was a little Brock Purdy play here and there. Same with your, the, the defense on your offense. It was work. And then there on the other side, I kind of felt like you guys had cracked the code, right? So that's where, as a Lions fan, it's awesome and horrible altogether because there is a lot of good. And, yeah, there's some bowling opportunities. And we'll oh, we'll dive sure. all that. In the second half, it feels like one of those games, and Pete and I were talking about it, where seven plays or whatever, if any one of those plays goes the Lions' way, they win that game, or at least go into overtime, or something like that. There's there's plays in the first half mm. and in the third quarter where I go, if they make this play or score a touchdown right here, the game's over. It's over. Like it's done. Okay, and you know that's where yeah, it's gonna it's gonna hurt the Lions for for a while because they gave their best shot and outplayed them, coached right up there with them. 
had great ideas and gave the, the 49ers all they could handle. So Lions offense, let's start with what they did that made life so difficult for the 49ers and what maybe Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs could do that yeah. could make life difficult for the 49ers. So first half was awesome. 24 points, 280 total yards, 148 yards rushing in the first half. I think I saw that was the most that Kyle Shanahan ever led team had given up in the first half. Right. Uh, only 34 rushing yards in the second half, uh, seven points. Some of that was just drop passes, missed opportunities, a fumble, so you one less possession there. Um, but from what you saw, let's, let's actually go inside the numbers once again, powered by AWS to show exactly what they did on the ground here, because I think that's where it started. Yes, for the it did. I'm getting super excited about some of these positive numbers for the Lions. You got David Montgomery, you got Jameer Gibbs. Seemed like outside rushes were gashing the 49ers. The Niners knew they were undermanned a little bit up in the middle, right? You know, Hargrave, Armstead you know, have not killed it this year, all right? Especially in the run game department that way. Armstead's been battling through some injuries, all that. Hargrave has not had as good a year as we've seen him have in years past, mm-hmm. right? I think they were very worried about being overpowered in the middle. And because of that, yeah, they were – you know, tackles shooting in, linebackers were quick to try to be aggressive right downhill. And you guys just went, wait, wait, instead of like trying to deal with, you know, all that chaos and mush right there, let's just get out on the edge just a little bit. And now we could get like a guard tackle double team and the tackle could get out and stop the linebacker from running sideline to sideline. They took a little bit of that approach. And I think the other thing too that I loved about it, the 49ers – they, they, you know, more times than not, like, they want to win in the run game with their speed. And I don't mean that by sideline to sideline. I mean, like, if you pull a guard, right, their tackle, their defensive tackles are so good, they'll follow that guard and just be like, I'm so quick, I can actually get in the hole with you and go right down the line and make the tackle with the running back. Like, the Lions said, fuck all that. Like, we're not even going to let them do that. We're going to block as a unit. We're not going to pull people. We're kind of just going to mush them because we think we're bigger and more powerful. And they Mm. kind of took that kind of running scheme and brought it right to the 49ers and gave them issues, let alone then got a few good off-tackle runs or whatever else. Knowing they're the 49ers, they'll be super aggressive. Oh, here's the reverse to J-Mo. Rockets up his ass. Touchdown. Good little curveballs that way. But – Brilliant game plan. My bet Johnson of the offensive side of the ball to start the football game. I mean, really throughout, but to start the football game, no doubt about it. So why couldn't they rush as effectively in the second half, don't you think? Well, the 49 because the I mean, the 49ers I, the 49ers defense is just not the same, right? You've heard me been saying that the last few weeks. It's not yeah. as good as years past. It's not even as close as years past. Right. Right? I mean, the first half, there's a I don't even know what the 49ers were doing. I I mean, you guys got people open everywhere. I mean, it's everywhere. And it's not just like, oh, it's like he's open by a step. It's like he's fucking nobody's in the screen. Or there's like nobody within five yards. I mean, they didn't challenge the Lions. It's kind of like they came out and they're like, let's see how they attack us. Let's play it soft. And so, a little bit like we talk with Baltimore and the Chiefs, right? Came out that way. And literally, the, the Lions were just like, we'll do whatever we want. This is great, right? Second half. The Niners started to go like, wait, wait, wait we got to start challenging the receivers. We got to start getting in their face a little bit, 
We might have to play, you know, some more aggressive cover three. Safety, get down in here in the hole and start helping out in the run game. Tashawn Gibson, strip fumble. That's kind of what happened. Mm-hmm. So they pressed the issue a little bit, let alone you guys are like this close to, like, again, scaring them out of it. Like if Goff hits Laporta on the first drive of the third quarter on the quarter route, it's man-to-man. He's got him. It's like, oh, shit, they're going to have the ball at the five-yard line. They're going to score a touchdown. The game's going to be over. It's over, right? But they just could not make that play. They could have maybe made that play late in the second quarter. You know, 21 to 7, right? The drive you go up 24 to 7. Jameer Gibbs running down the middle of the field. Yeah. Could have been a touchdown. So the, I, 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 I appreciate know, I think we I, have no, that. No, no, we'll no. I do, we do have it. And I appreciate this because of all the missed plays and missed opportunities that have been going in my head yeah. about the Lions, the drop pass. You forgot the about fumble. this one? I, this one <laughs> was not even in my brain. So this is great. We can add another one to the list. Here. Well, look at this. It's 21 to 7. You see the coverage. Again, to my, to my point of what I was just talking about, look how soft everything is. This is not the 49ers I know. It's really not. Right? So here we got a four man rush. Gibbs is off to the right. Like, they know what they got here. Ben Johnson knows it. This is, this is where he's in brilliant again. He's going to get Jameer Gibbs singled up man-to-man on Fred Warner, basically running right up the middle of the football field. So it's shotgun. Gibbs off to the right, two receivers to the right, and then he's got a receiver and Reynolds to the left and Laporta outside of him to the left, right? So no tight end connected. The 49ers, you can see they're playing a two-deep shell. Only thing you're going is, is it quarters or is it cover two, right? That's the only thing you're worried about. But you kind of know it's one of those two things, right? So go ahead, Pete, to the next picture, right? Four-man rush. Pocket's good. It's quarters, right? You know how you know it's quarters, right? The two, uh, you know, they got their three linebackers. The two guys on the outside go to the flat, right? You could see the corners didn't play the flat. They backed up. So it's quarters, right? It's not covered too. And then with this route combination and how they do it, right, they send guys somewhat in the area of the safeties. So the safety has to worry about like, wait, they're running a curl route. It's not exactly in my area, but I can't avoid it. So they're getting a little depth. And now you can see it's Gibbs with Warner one-on-one. More times than not, offenses and, and the running back of this r- breaks in or breaks out, right? So Warner's kind of like, okay, I saw this on Phil a lot. Gibbs is going to break to the right and break to the left, and I just got to break on it. Gibbs gives him the old hit of it and runs straight, and it's, it's a touchdown. And Goff has got a little something in his face, so he just has to slide to his left a little bit, and he misses the throw. Mm. Go to the next picture, Pete, because as you see here, and this still doesn't even do it justice, but again, this is where like still shots. This is wide open in the NFL, and he's wide open to run to the back of the end zone. Golf moves off his spot a little bit and throws a ball that was kind of just weak and died out inside to where he never gave Gibbs a chance. But there was one place certainly where I looked at it and went, "Holy shit!" Like I was like you, kind of forgot about that play. Yeah. Because you're just going, yeah, they're going to be up 24-7. This is amazing. And you sit there and you go, oh, my gosh, I forgot that one. This, this should be 28-7 going into the half. Like, and the Niners would be screwed pretty much. But that was a missed opportunity. I'm sure that one will hurt the, the Lions offense of Jared Goff. And that was Inside the Numbers again, powered by AWS. Uh, thanks for reminding me of another missed opportunity there. <laughs> I, re- I really appreciate that. Uh, do you want to flip over to the other side of the ball, or uh, do you want to? Is there anything else here? Well, 
Let's see. You know, like I said. We can save the fourth down discussion for after. Well, yeah, we will. Third quarter, like I said, it, I, I'm sitting there. I'm right. I'm going, it, it feels like the Lions have cracked the code. Yeah. Right? Okay. The I talked about Goff missing Laporta. That was another big moment right before the fourth and two. I hate the fourth and two call. Okay, so I guess we're going to do it right I now. I can't help it. <laughs> Okay, so, I can't help it. All right, so I think, you know, of 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 all the things you I say loved about it, Dan Campbell. I yes. want to hang with Dan Campbell. I know Dan Campbell's one of my kind of guys. I know I'd want to work for Dan Campbell if I was going to coach in the NFL. So I just want to make sure I'm very clear about my belief and love for Dan Campbell. Great coaching job this year. Got the team to the final four with a subpar defense. Amazing. Everything he's done has been amazing, except this is the only thing I've questioned about him, and this isn't just Sunday. You know I've been one to question him why he's been doing this for the last year and a half or so. Yeah. But definitely more than I think others have questioned him is is me, and I'm a little old school that way. But, yes, I don't like that call, Ahmed. So um, let me just say that. I think one of the the mistakes that I would say you're making with Dan Campbell is is framing it as he's, you know, either – just doing it ag- aggressively with without thinking about it. I think that's how you've kind of characterized it sometimes. Yeah, like, this is you. what we do. This right. is what we do. Right. He's definitely thinking about it. Because, like, at the end of the first half, why did he kick the field goal? Yeah. There, right? Because he thought, I think that probably gives us the best chance yeah. to win. You know? right. And I don't think he's thinking any differently on those other two fourth downs. Because I think the argument... No, he's people- a cerebral guy. This is not just like a right. meathead who just you know, played football one day and was like, go, we're tough. There's yeah. definitely a lot of cerebral in him. Right. I don't want to take that away from him. Because I think some people are framing it as like, oh, this is what they've done all year. So it's like he felt compelled to do it again. No, I, I truly believe that in those two fourth down situations in the second half, he felt like going gave them a better chance of win, like winning the game. I don't think he thought either one of them, like, I I could kick a field goal here, and I think that probably would help us win better, but this is what we do. We go for it. I think he thought going for fourth down because it was like the people have compared it to the tush push, right? right? Fourth and short for the Lions was almost like the tush push throughout the year, 80% conversion rate on those. So I do think that you have to – you have to talk about the kicker. I hear you. Because people say, you know, you got to talk about the context. You have to talk about – 48 yards, 45 yards for Michael Badgley on the practice squad. It's such squad. an overblown talking point. Though. Why? Because it's like he's really like, first off, he hasn't missed a field goal this year, right? When's the last? I looked this up. When do you think the last time he made These a. These stats are skewed all because of the 2020 season where he was bad in that range, where he missed a bunch that year. Through his career, if you take away the 2020 season, it's really not that bad through that range. Okay, that so, year was a bad year, and it leads to the numbers being a little misleading. So, will he have a job next year in the NFL? I, I would think so. Nah. I don't know. I don't I mean, think I he don't will. Know. I don't he follow the kicker squad. thing. Well, that, that, but that's I think yeah. exactly it. People right. don't follow the kicker thing. But so he's they just made assume. big field goals. The whole. I mean, so, he, every time you needed him this year, he made a field goal. So I looked this up. Right. I mean, he only started kicking week fifteen. I know. I know. So I looked this up. I was like, when's the last time that he was like outdoors on grass right. with wind, right. making a field goal of forty five yards or longer? I looked it up. I was like, when was it? November of 2020. November of 2020 is the last time Michael Badgley made a kick. Made no fan, yeah, no fans. You're right. When's the last time there were fans in the stadium? Right. That was the last time he yeah. made a kick on grass, outdoors, in the wind, in the elements, that long. 
So I was like, that, that's got to be a huge part. So, it, so this is my defense of Dan Campbell. Yeah. In that situation, right. and you always say this, and I think it's a good point you make, you know, it's like, say it out loud. It's like, I believe in Michael Badgley from 48 more than I believe in my offense. You got to say that out loud. And he, and like, in that situation, he's like, I'm rolling with this offense. No offense to Michael Badgley. And if we had Justin Tucker, it would probably be a different situation. But a guy who hasn't made kicks like this for us much this year and outdoors almost never in the last four years, like, I'm rolling with our offense fourth and two. Yeah. So that, that's, and, and that, so it's like his, his gut, I think it was his gut, was telling him this gives us the best chance. I'm not. I'm not relying on Michael Badgley. No, I uh, listen. I, I I hear there. I do. Um, I I know what you're saying. You know, but but at the same time too, yeah. I I, I think it's a little bit of the cherry picking of the stats there. You know, again, he's he's been making field goals. But if you're Dan Campbell and you truly believe in, no matter what the stats are, if right. he believes in his heart, right. I think our offense has a better chance of getting two yards than Michael Badgley has of making this 48-yard field goal. You have to go. And if that's – like, you have to go. You can't go, I think that Michael Badgley could miss this, but I'm going to get crushed, and so I'm going to kick it. Like, if you truly believe, like, your offense is, has a better chance of picking up that first down. I think you have to believe in your team and what you got anyways. He no is believing what, in his team, his offense. Yeah, I don't think he is. I think you're, 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 I don't think you are. I think you're trying to take almost the easy way out is what I would say. We're going to go for the win right here because I don't want to have to play this out anymore. I don't want to have to battle it out. I'm going for it here. And that, to me, is not the right approach. When you've controlled the football game, you crack the code, you've had interceptions on defense, yeah. you're playing great. You're control- the 49ers on that drive, are the defenders are shaking their head after plays. Like, we can't stop anything they want. We came out more aggressive, and they're still fucking moving the ball down the field. They're at a point where they're going, fuck, it's not our day. They crack the door open for but them. You're, but you're assuming. To get them. But you're assuming that he thinks he can make this field okay. goal. Okay. Well, you're assuming he can make the fourth and three, and he didn't. Well, I yeah, think the safer true. play we, is no. to kick the field goal. It, but, yes, to go up that third score to continue to keep that pressure but that's on them. But like that's what you, you open the door. You of can't momentum. guarantee he's going to make. I can't that. guarantee anything. You're, so, you're going. He. So, I guarantee he made every field goal this year. He did. I mean, he's made them all. What else do you want? How much more evidence do you need? He, you, week 15, they made 80% of fourth and threes throughout the year. He, he, okay. He, they weren't playing the 49ers defense. They were not. It wasn't the NFC Championship game. It wasn't Nick Bosa and all that, right? I just say that that's stay the course. Keep the pressure that was on staying them. the course. No, I don't think it that's is for that game. I think you have to adjust there. I don't. With, Justin, different Tucker, animal. with Justin Tucker, yes. I, I, with I, Michael Badgley, who has not kicked a field goal 45 yards outdoors since 2020, I'd roll with Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs, Jared Goff, Sam Laporte. I mean, he didn't, I, you know, I got to go back and look at these things as far as the outdoor kicks and whatever else. First of all, it wasn't that windy there. Okay. I never heard anyone bring up the wind the whole football game. So that's not a, that's not a valid point in this one. And hey, he's your field goal kicker. He's been knocking them dead. And his, if you take 2020 out of the range, okay, in the 40 to 49 area, oh, he's 8 of 10 and he's 19. Let's see, what is he? He's 16 for 19 in 2021. Okay, he's 9 for 11. Or let me just add this up. I mean, his numbers are good in 2022. They're perfect in 23, although there's just one of them. Right. So, no, you open the door up for San Francisco to get gain confidence, energy, whatever. The game flipped on its head in that moment.
on that moment. It did. It no, did. I, I won't disagree with so you there. So that's where I, I don't agree with it. And I don't agree with, yes, again, that's where I just will tell you, I think you got them on the ropes. They're doubting themselves. Yeah, you but you're assuming he makes, I'm saying, I don't think they assumed they would make that field goal. I, okay. So I, if they, if, if, but like, if they don't assume they're going to make that field goal, but, yes, if you can guarantee why does he me, not assume it? Why? why? Because I mean, he's, he's made squad. every kick this year so far for him. He made every kick. What the, he doesn't have one inkling to go. He didn't make it when I wanted him to. I mean, he missed two extra points, I think, throughout the year. Okay. All right. So, but yeah, I, I don't. You're controlling the 49ers. You, you, you got them on the ropes. You can say get a better kicker. They should have they they had a better kicker. Like that I'll give you. Sure. Like that, that's a huge problem for their team, and that may be where they lost it is they couldn't trust their kicker in that, that situation I, I in mean, the NFC Championship. He made kicks in the, in the divisional round. He made a kick in the wild card round. So why didn't we just go for it on all of them then? I, we couldn't guarantee he was going to make it. At the end of the first half, he kicked the field goal. We were, I know. That's right. Okay. And I think that was the right decision, and I think you should have continued to do that. I just don't agree with that process. I think it is a horrible, horrible call. I think if you talk to any coach in football, they're going to sit there and go, man, they opened the door for the 49ers to come back. The door was shut, and they opened it up. And let alone, you know, I can justify the one at the end of the game more, but I still think that's a horrible call, too. You were the better team on the field that day. You got to feel it. You got to feel it. And you got to continue to just go, we're going to keep doing what we're doing, and we're not going to give them any inkling and just continue to apply the pressure and go from there. And that's where it stinks. So I understand but, your your thoughts there. If you and I understand at, that's where they got because this is how they play and they're aggressive. Because they thought it gave them the best chance to win. That's I, not it's, that's how they did it. And, it. and it did throughout the year. And I think the analytics for that fourth that fourth and three from the 48-yard field goal, it's like if you looked at that, it was like the Lions, if they went for it, had a 38% chance to win. If they attempted the field goal, they had a thirty-eight percent chance to win. So the analytics were split. It was I like know. it was like it was a go or like kick. That, that, it was the like, analytics can't like this is where I'm sick of the analytics. They can't quantify all that. They really can't. No, exactly. They can say it's what just they a gauge. It's a judge. It's, it's like, a gauge. Exactly right. It's like, is they it, can't is gauge it how fucking down the 49ers are going to be going to the sideline, yeah. going, "Damn, we came out aggressive like our yeah. coach wanted us to, and we adjusted, and we're we didn't make any headway. We're down seventeen still, and now we got the ball at our own twenty-yard line, or, or and we're trying to march down the or football field. Or you go field. out there and you go, hey, hey, we just stopped. They kicked a, tried to kick a 48-yard field goal. They didn't make it because their kicker sucks and their coach was right not to, you know, he shouldn't have kicked it. And now we got momentum. We got to stop. I Same know. thing. That's, that's a momentum swing. Any, any missed field goal, I mean, like, that, that's a point you make, too, and you're like, I don't know that. I, you, you, you've stated you're on the field. You know that feeling. You, you and feel like, it. I'll never you know that. You can drown in that. But he I feel knows like that. He mis- was coached by Sean Payton and Bill Parcells and people that are like, they wouldn't do that. No, no but that's why he goes for it. That's what he said. He said he, he, when, he said he goes for it because Sean Payton would, like, he saw the defense. And he, it's like, when, takes- when, when you know you have to go, we got to stop them for four plays now. They're not just going to kick field goals. Okay. Out. Like, we got to, like, oh. but it, Sean like, Payton we got to stop like on the third down. And now they're demoralized. Hunch when he had it and like all that. This is not the same. First off, I could argue with all your ifs and what's and can't. It's not and ifs. Or, no, yours are ifs and what's. No. You're, Garrett, you're saying. You're like, the, the, he's definitely making the field goal. Like that's, You're guaranteeing Jared Goff will miss the throw, and I just I made the throw, and I just gave you seven examples where he missed throws, and the, he's not guaranteed. Every time he has to move or do anything, he can't fucking hit the throw. So there's a problem there, Yeah, right? Yeah, but they cracked the code, though. 
They were they were rolling. They did. Okay. They, they, you said that they made they, they had so they many They cracked plays. the code in a lot of ways. It doesn't mean you, you just go bank, for it and go. But you all can't the time. bank on a drop. If what? you crack the code, you've cracked the it code. It was a bad throw. Definitely. He could have caught it. Hundred percent. He missed the throw the play before for a touchdown. He missed the play at the end of the half for a touchdown. Hey, instead of going with the kicker that's made all the kicks we needed to this year, let's go with the guy who I've seen miss four throws in the last five minutes that would have put the game away, and let's give it to him one more time. That would be what I'd say. And actually has a history of missing the throws in that moment. His history is Jared Goff misses throws in that moment. So if you want to play all these ifs, I would go, there's a lot of ifs on the Jared Goff thing where I'd go, I would never trust him to make that play in a big moment. Right? He's had one thing. If the pocket's not perfect, so they've been rolling all game. There. They've been rolling all game, making the plays. But, then but why didn't they go two. for it in the, before the end of the half? Too. I mean, how dare he? He screwed gut, the game over there because his gut told why? him that it was a better chance to win. I don't know. He I just don't know thought either. Like, I just all over the place. That's what I'm saying. It just seems like we're going no, by it's the not gut all over the place. Why? Because it's you, fourth and three, you should have gone for it. Because you can make the argument if you don't get it. Like the biggest benefit of going for fourth and three at the three yard line is that the other team has to go 97 yards at the end of a first half. You don't get that benefit. So it's a different situation. But but you're right. He's not blindly just like going every th- fourth down, not even thinking about it. That one he thought, he weighed it all, and his gut told him. And I think he's coaching with his gut the entire game. Yeah. And I think I, his gut was telling him both those times, right. I trust my offense to get two I, I yards agree more than you. Michael Totally Batchelay. with his gut. He's got to get his brain involved a little bit more. That, that was what I was I think say. his brain is involved. I don't think it is enough there. Well, you know what was invented? Right. To, to make sure that people's guts were not lying to them? Analytics. Analytics. Yeah, you just argued for analytics. No, I don't. You yes, gotta, you did. Yeah, you just said you got to use your brain, and so how do you? How the do you analytics check your, said to go how, for it. How do you check your gut? The analytics said to well, go for it. The exa- but that's right. how do you check your? How do you use your brain? How do you? If your gut tells you to do something, what do you go to to make sure your gut's you not go to lying to you? All the years of football experience and say I've kicking the shit out of this team. We're out playing them right now, and the pressure's on them, and they're doubting themselves in the home stadium. And I'm going to keep the pressure on them. I think my Instead, kicker's going to miss co- the kick. We come out and kick, and that you, know, you guys, even though you're dominating, and come out with a head down and like, oh shit, we didn't get it. And all of a sudden, luck changes, and everything changes from that point on. And, yeah, I don't agree with it. And I think the, the, the post-mortem, whatever we saw after it, is definitely on Dan Campbell. He ruined the flow of the football game with that decision right there. Yes, you know me. I would have never, ever no, gotten ruined it ruined the flow times. of the football game by A not getting it. by not getting field it. gold this day and age is like we don't even think about it anymore. It's not even a thought. But now because we have numbers and stats from 10 years ago. Jake Moody's the better kicker. And this is his home field. And he missed a kick okay. of that in and this he, game. And, and Shanahan went, wait, I got faith in my guy. And I'm going to kick it again. And he did it the series before. What was it? Fourth and what? I don't know. But he kicked the field goal. It was fourth and seven or something okay, like that's that. That's a completely different situation. Okay. But still, it didn't make him scared just because he missed it. It's I mean, fourth and two. Your guy hasn't missed one. So why are you scared? Why I don't understand. I don't think he's. I don't think he'll be on an NFL team next year. I, I don't know. Either. I think if, if I you have a really kicker and, and if you put your NFC Championship hopes to go to the Super Bowl on a forty-eight yard field goal from a guy who's not even in the league in a year, that I would have a problem with. Uh, I, I I don't know. Listen, I don't know about the kicking and where he'll be as a player next year. He's obviously an NFL kicker. He did a good job for you guys this year. He did not miss a field goal, right? So that that's what I would say to that. And that, he was that's our all. backup kicker. But. And I think you lose. All your momentum and control of the football game, and it was the first time all game the 49ers went, whoa, something good happened. Here we go. 
and the game that, was never the same I'll from that, that moment. Sure. And that's that's where I don't agree with it. I will give you, you were that. slowly the, the poor execution of them it. out. The poor execution of it turned turned the game. I a hundred percent agree. So and then yeah, you have a a quarterback with a great pass rush who's not great at moving or making plays off schedule, and he's forced to move just a little, and he doesn't make the great throw. Reynolds, yes, you should have caught it too. I hear you. It's on both of them, right? You know, that's it's, it's a tough one. I hear you. But, yeah, I will never believe in kicking, not kicking the field goal. I am a total. What if I was the kicker? What if I am the kicker of the team? That's sure. But, I mean, <laughs> I we've, we've, we've seen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Badgley hit, what, 250-plus yarders. You have you more faith year? in Michael Badgley than the Lions did. So I, that, I guess. That's, that's just what it I is. Guess. I think that is what it, what it does come down to. I don't understand the reasons why not. That would be the reasons I would say not. I mean, that's, 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 that's all I'll say, right? Yeah. And I don't know where – I mean – you know, again, he, he kicked extra points. He was knocking them through. I know he missed two extra points during the year, but there he was. I mean, he's knocking I, everything through the fucking uprights, the it, whole playoffs. But if you don't have – if you have more faith in your offense getting two than Badgley kicking the 48, I will go, I would roll with that offense. Okay. I, I mean, I guess I, you're I right. I, I thought I would make more no. – I thought I would make more headway no, on this but, discussion. But, you know, hey, vote, the, hey, vote in the comments who won that argument. Vote, don't, vote down like below. That. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, the, the other thing is, too – I do appreciate you going back and forth with no me. No problem. On, on of course. That. That's what we're here to do, man. It's, uh, it's all good. It's not personal at all. It, it is a tough decision. I understand that, and it's harder it's one because I don't like, believe in it. It's, it's like that's right? tough too. It's like I do believe in it. You I don't, don't believe and so in that philosophy of football. Yes. I don't. My point to you, as I've said in on Monday, I don't know a team that's gone to the Super Bowl yet playing this style of football. Someone said Philadelphia with Doug Peterson. They were rolled the dice. Yeah, they were. That was probably yeah. That's a good one. And do they win that game without that mentality? No, yeah. no, maybe not. No, maybe not. You're right. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's a good one. Uh, they definitely, they were definitely maybe one of the first ones that broke the mold that way, right? right? Definitely. So I, I don't disagree with you there. Now that, they were a really awesome football team that was dominant on both sides of the ball, yeah. right? And Doug Peterson's lost a number of games over the last few years doing that same type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Where I'd go, eh. So that's all I'm saying is just to reevaluate that. The other thing I want to hit on with that play going forward on fourth and two. Yes. This is where, like, you know. Mahomes is going to run right there. Once Bosa gets around and he has to move and he goes, oh, wait, there's a little lane there and it's only two or three yards, I'm going to go get the first down. And that's where, you know, Goff's inability to move and whatever. But I'm just trying to tie it together with the Chiefs game and that's where those moments will be a little different this week because, you know, Bosa, yeah, on those type of plays, right, Next week, when he's playing the Chiefs, he's going to go, wait, can I really? I don't think I can go kamikaze around the edge and try to get the sack because if I miss, he's going to run for the first down. So now they're going to be in the dilemma of, like, wait, do we try to contain him? And now he has all day to do all that. So that's going to be the interesting thing as we're taking to that play and that whole thing right there. Let's, uh, let's, let's flip real quick here to yeah. the uh, – because we went, we went longer on that one here. <laughs> that's and there, good. And I, saw, I saw Terry, who's uh, in charge of the building here, and she goes, well, we hey, we have a big – Well, we have like, a... stop. They're like, what are they arguing about? <laughs> I've never seen this before. They go, we're going to have a big event here. You guys are going to be done by noon, right? I was like, oh, yeah, definitely. And then I didn't anticipate going like that that long. Uh, let's, go, uh, let's go inside. Can we go inside the notebook here for the 49ers O to the Lions D here? And if there's anything else that we miss <laughs> during this whole discussion, we'll, we'll clean it up on Monday. Yeah. We when we're out in Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, going inside the notebook shows a Lions cool combo coverage here. So uh, explain what we're seeing here. And uh, as we get into this side of the ball here, Lions D, 49ers. Oh, you thought the Lions D actually did some things that were kind of interesting. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, they did. And uh, 
I think they had a good feel for how the 49ers like to attack, right? Some of the things we've always talked about. They knew to kind of take away the middle of the field. Obviously, you guys can play some pretty good run defense because you got some big dudes. Aleem McNeil, I want to give him a shout-out. Early in the football game, he was unblockable. They couldn't Mm -hmm. move him. He was phenomenal. And their linebackers, too. Like, holy cow, did they get better and better as the year went on, for sure. But, yes, right? So, they, like, I'm sure their breakdown a little bit are, like, when they get in these type of formations, which here we got a bunch to the right. It's Juszczyk, Kittle, and Debo Samuel to the right in a bunch formation. McCaffrey's offset to the left on Purdy. And then they got Ayuk all by himself to the left. Right? They're not a huge, as we've always talked about, throw the ball down the field, outside the numbers type of football team, right? So bring up the drawing one more time, guys, if we can. And what they do is go, wait, when they get in these formations, the backside guy, they basically do, they probably, what he runs two routes. He runs a slam or he runs an out route, hmm. right? So they play the defense where it looks like you're going to have one of those two things, but they were very cognizant of that's what the, the, the 49ers like to do. So Jack Campbell, who's the weak side linebacker, he was, you know, number 46, you'll see, right? He drops to take away the slant, so Purdy can't do that. And then Sutton at the top is kind of playing outside leverage, and he's going to be able to jump the out route if they do that because that's really the two routes they seem to do the most when there are these kind of formations. So there they got that. But now, okay, now we got five other guys basically to play the bunch and the three guys on the right. And that's where they were really good all day. Shanahan's all his creative ways to kind of stretch out zone coverages and stretch it out to find a guy to sit in the middle and get a, a hole, right? They, you guys did not allow that and did it in a cool way. This is cover two to the front side. But you see you got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson down here low playing corner, yeah. right? Because they want to keep an extra run-tackling guy down here in case the 49ers run it, right? So it's smart. They're going, wait, Juszczyk and Kittle are there. They still could run the ball. Debo blocks pretty well. I'd rather not have my corner there. I'd rather have my ass kicking safety down there, right? So now he does it, drops into the flat to play the cover two corner. 29 drops back to play the cover two safety. And then I don't even know what Melon Fonwu, number six in the middle of the field, is doing. Hmm. It's kind of like they're playing three cloud, I guess you could say, or three cloud invert, something like that, where it's kind of like cover two-ish to that side, but cover three everywhere else. But cool coverages to where, yeah, you break things like that out. That's tough on guys like Shanahan because he's like, I, I can't get a feel for how they're playing me or what they're doing all the time, and it's kind of all over the place. And every time I think I got them down and I feel like they're settling down into one thing, oh, they throw another curveball at me or do something, and that's where I really like. Hmm. You know, they move the ball. As we know, they're a really good offense. It's a great system. He's a phenomenal coach. The quarterback's good. But, you know, it was work the whole day other than throwing the ball up off your guy's face and then catching the ball, which yeah. was the most unbelievable moment, and which led me to my moments of, like, again, like, you guys were out playing them. You were the better team, you know, and now you let the door open a little bit, and now luck struck for them, too, and yeah. it's just like, fuck, and that's where I feel for you, and that's where I don't like the going for it on board. That, that, got, that, that got rough after that, for sure. Um, Arn Agati, Arn Agati. 
says about Brock Purdy. Love Brock and his mojo in the third quarter. I feel he is. Uh, I feel he is rushing his decisions these past two weeks versus yeah. the calm and composure he had all season. Is it because he was facing a better D line and Niners O line is average, or do you feel like it's on him? He's a little off. I think it's a little bit because, you know, hey, it's the playoffs. Defenses are taking a few more chances. They're going, wait, we can't, even though I like to play this defense and we're sound and we know what we do on this, right? He's there going, fuck, it's Shanahan. He knows what we're doing too, so he's going to come up with something. So I think he's getting a lot of different looks. He's just playing better quality defenses, and I think he's off his game. Again, even though the stats are pretty good and there was a lot of big plays, I think you saw in my notes, there's still some concerning missed throws in the game too where you just go, damn, I mean, that's, he's fucking open. you got to hit that right there, right? So he's not on his A game all the way, and I think because of the different looks and stuff, usually we come away going like, damn, he read that so quick and like what a great feel. I think he's like, wait, I'm not sure what this is. So he's a little hesitant to like trust his instincts a few times. And I think that's what happens on, the, on his interception. He is a little like, wait, what am I getting exactly here? I'm not sure. And he pats the ball and holds it for an extra second. And a little bit like we talked to the Lamar interception where I go, he should have thrown the ball like a second earlier. Mm-hmm. But he waited and Debo gets across the middle of the field too much. And now there's a bunch of bodies there and it's not open. It becomes an interception. Yeah. Uh, do we have screenshots on that? I thought we did, yeah. Pete, because uh, we have a few screenshots here, so we do have that. We'll pull that up, uh, the interception uh, for Brock Purdy here, and so we can kind of take a little closer look at it. Um, but, yeah, it just seems like – it didn't seem like he was throwing it that, that well at times, too. Yeah. But then, but then at the same time, he makes some unbelievable passes outside the numbers, you know, right on the sidelines. That's line, where so. he made up for it. Yeah. Exactly right. He made up for it for – you know, missed a few plays where you'd like the machine of Brock Purdy to hit, but he made some plays where he got, hey, nobody's here, nobody's open, and he scrambled and made something happen to keep the chains moving, right? So here we got it. Here's the interception, right? It's trips right. It's Kittle, Jennings, and Debo to the bottom of the screen. Ayuk by himself towards the top left, right? It's a cool front by the Lions you see here. Right, it's three D linemen to the left of the center, and then a defensive end way to the right. Right. And another, like, the 49ers ran this defense against you guys, and you ran the ball on third and 10. Do you remember for a oh, first down in the yeah. other second quarter? Yeah. That, I mean, that's what I mean. It felt like you guys had cracked the code, right? But either way, I don't want to change the subject. Here we go. You'll see it. So get a, let it go, Pete. All right. And Debo Samuel at the bottom of the screen, he is the one that's going to run the in cut. Here you guys are running. Oh, oddly enough, it's exactly like we just talked about with the Chiefs and the Ravens. It's quarter, quarter, half, hmm. right? And you could see the huge hole that's here for Debo Samuel that he's about to run into, right? You could see it. There's no defender in the hole between the numbers and the hash. And that's where you want to throw the in cut. But to throw this ball, you have to be winding up to throw this right now. He's just starting to make his break. You should then be like in the middle of like, okay, I'm about to throw it, right? And he's still kind of moving up in the pocket with two hands on the football, assessing the coverage, and then you'll see, let's go to the next picture, Pete, where you see that huge window. Okay, there it is, right? Now it's either got to be a laser at this point or you would have to have already thrown it to drop it in there. But because he's late, now he needs to throw a laser and the ball gets tipped a little bit. It 
big arm gets in the way, but you see where the ball ends up, by the hash. That's not where that ball is supposed to be completed. It's in the hash. Your linebackers are there. We talked about the hole being four and five yards before that. That was, a, of course, a big moment in the football game. Also, a stupid penalty by C.J. Gardner-Johnson oh on the play, trying to get back to Debo Samuel. C.J. Gardner-Johnson did some amazing things in the game. He did some bonehead things in the game. Yeah. You know, we talked about that play there. Had a bad missed tackle on McCaffrey that led to the first touchdown. And then the second touchdown, the IU post, right? He took the cheese and didn't need to. And you'll see Cam Sutton on the film. He's like, dude, you were supposed to have him if he comes inside. Here's the play once again. Great job, Pete. Right? 19, Debo was covered. Branch and Melanthalu got him. He did not need to take those two or three steps to the middle of the field to worry about Debo, which is where I think personal emotions got the best of him because he's like, that's Debo. I don't want him to score a touchdown. He took two steps to the left, and that's all he needed. Again, that play, again, to your you know, great defensive call. It was the right call. It's just one guy kind of just, you know, Left his area, didn't do his job, and that left enough of an opening for Ayuk and Purdy to get it done. There's a debate on Lions Twitter right now. It's like, do we bring him back? Do we not? Like his attitude oh. is really he, – he really kind of gave the Lions that attitude and that edge early on in the year. But stuff like that and the waving goodbye, and it's just like, why do you got to poke the bear like that? Uh, yes, right. So it's, it's 21-7. Like the, the, the football yeah. gods are watching. Why are you trying to jinx the Lions, right? You know, those are things I don't think Dan, – Dan Campbell probably loves his edge. Those are probably things he doesn't love. He loves yes. the toughness and all that. I think you want C.J. Gardner-Johnson I back. I think so, too. I think he's a hell of a football player. We need talent back there. Yeah, you need some other guys. And I think that edge and chippiness, listen, he's quite the weapon. You know, he's like a linebacker who plays sa- or a safety that plays linebacker or a linebacker who plays safety, whatever way you want to say it. But it's rare to have a guy that can be down in the box, be that physical and that good, and then he's pretty good in space, too. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, I would keep That's him tough. if I were the Lions. Uh, just try to get him to – you know, limit those emotional things every now and then. I think we probably have to wrap this up. Yeah. Is there another headline or one more thing from the 49ers offense? You, you said that they didn't necessarily ever crack the code, but they, man, they just made enough plays. They got to the— and They the, scored every time in the second half, yeah, too. So yeah. it's like that's credit to them for not cracking the code, and it was hard, but they still scored every they time. They scored every time. The fumble, the short field, yeah. right? But— Again, never felt like it was like, oh, we gashed them. They're, they're, they've cracked it, right? It was always like, okay, good play. All right, good little run. Good scramble. But, but yep, good scramble, right? But it was never like some weeks where we've come in here and be like, oh, there's people open everywhere. I mean, McCaffrey's catching the ball. He's falling down. He's standing up. There's still nobody in the screen, right? Yeah. There was none of that. That's for, that's for sure. Hmm. There was none of that. Now, and the only time I felt like they cracked the code a little bit was the long touchdown run, at the, uh, or the long run by McCaffrey, right? I think that was it. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, he had the big run, and that was because that was one of the few times where I felt like you guys were like, damn, they're kind of moving the ball slow. Let's take a chance and blitz and see if we can get them behind the chains. You guys played a four-down front. You blitzed, and that's why it's scary to blitz good running teams because, oh, no, they have this run called. We blitz. We're overcommitted in one area, and now we have another area where there's not enough people, and he broke off the big run. But that's about all I can really say throughout the day. Um, it was a really good game, and like I say at the end of the day, for the second week in a row, it felt like the better team on the field was not the 49ers, but the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And there's something to say about winning, trying to win a football game. But, whoa. Everyone's okay. Everyone's okay. This but is a chair. They are not going to get away 
with beating Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs playing the way they did the last two weeks. That that was one thing I will say. You know I'm rooting for my buddy in the 49ers. I love Mahomes and Andy Reid, but I'm rooting for the 49ers, and they're not going to win if they play like they did the last two weeks. That's a great tease to our DraftKings Super Bowl MVP odds as they stand right now. Of course, the two quarterbacks are the top two choices. Patrick Mahomes, plus 125. Brock Purdy, plus 225. Then you got McCaffrey, Travis Kelsey, Debo, Isaiah Pacheco after that. Yeah, it'll be. Um, it's a quarterback's award, most usually, right? Pretty much always. It's actually kind of embarrassing sometimes when it, how yeah. blatantly it goes there. Uh, of course, Mahomes the leader. I got to understand Purdy. Yeah, McCaffrey, McCaffrey, Kelsey, Debo, Samuel, Pacheco. Those are all guys that I think are dark horse candidates here. Yeah, I do. I, I look at them all and go, yeah, they, any any one of them could do it because this is not. These are not two teams that are just. You know, all about the quarterback and trying to throw for 350 yards and do all that stuff. Uh, I, I can't wait. It's going to be a great Super Bowl. It really is. Uh, it's like one of those where if the receiver gets it, it's hard not to give it to the quarterback, too. But it could be one of those where it's like Mahomes throws for 220 and 160-yard to Travis Kelsey or something like that. Crazy. Right, right. Like, if Kelsey has a game like he did there and maybe had, like, on the AFC Championship game and maybe one more touchdown to go with it, that could be the kind of game where you go, oh, he deserves the MVP. Yeah. With those plays he made, like, Mahomes played good, but it wasn't like, whoa, right? Like, and Kelsey played a whoa game. So that might be one of those assists. But, yeah, more times than not, right? I mean, like, I don't always understand it. Like, uh, Matthew Stafford not winning the MVP of the year he did. He was clutch as hell. He brought yeah. them down by 10 in the fourth oh, yeah. quarter. Yeah. And they beat the Bengals. He's throwing no-look dimes, and he's got injur- injured receiver. I know Cooper Cup had a really good game. But, you know, he doesn't get the MVP, Stafford. And then <laughs> I got other games like you've heard me kind of talk about before. I mean, Brady won the MVP for the 145 yards passing. He had 98 yards passing going into the last drive of the game. He won the MVP over the Patriots defense who had a pick six and stopped Kurt Warner and that, right? For his leadership. Or, or Eli Manning getting it in the first Super Bowl win over the, the Patriots. Like the second one, no doubt about it, he drives the MVP. The first one, it was the greatest offense we saw in the history of football. They scored 10 points. Like, Strahan and Justin Tuck were in the backfield with Brady the whole game, right? I know Eli had the clutch drive and all that, but, yeah, I didn't think that was worthy of MVP, but quarterback, that kind of happened. So it's it's a little weird that way. Uh, I feel like if one quarterback would get screwed over in that one in this one, it would be Purdy, right? Well, Purdy yeah. could have a good day, but if McCaffrey or Debo go off, I feel like the voters would be like, well, he's not a superstar quarterback, so we'll give it to the other guys. Agreed. I could see him getting screwed over that way. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL and for Super Bowl 58. New customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the app and use the promo code UNBUTTON when you signed up. DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. See, that's what I like because we can go back and forth with fourth down. Should they go? Should they kick? But in the end, we come together for a promo <laughs> read in DraftKings. I think that's, that just shows the kind of relationship we well, well, our relationship, there's nothing that's going to break our relationship up. I mean, maybe other than me questioning Dan Campbell and the Lions. But other than that, I think we're good. I mean, it's the only time I've ever seen you get mad at me before. Yeah, yeah. We're almost done, Terry. Yeah. We're almost done. Yeah, All right. We're ready to go. NBC is like, we got other shit to do here in this huge entertainment area other than listen to your podcast. Last thing on the way out, what yep. I'm shocked with, yeah. I was just thinking as I'm watching, like the NFC was crazy this year. Crazy. Right? I don't know if you saw the little line I wrote at like the top of one of the pages. Oh, yes. Where I, wrote, I did. I don't remember a year in any conference 
where the playoffs were so even, right? I think you would vouch to me, vouch for me, and I think Pete could probably bring it like playoff picks and things like that. I've usually thrived. Mm. Like I go through years where I go twelve and one, twelve and one, eleven and two. I'm not very good this year, and a lot of it is. It's like things are so. I don't remember a year where going a wild card team Rams could have gone to the Super Bowl. Yeah, right. And you guys barely beat them, and then barely beat the Bucks, and then. But the Lions could have gone to the Super Super Bowl. Bowl. Exactly. That's what it's crazy. I don't remember a year of going. Literally, as I look at it, going, I think every team in the playoffs in the NFC could have won the Super Bowl except the Eagles. Mm -hmm. Right? It's just like. They were all there to be had. We've seen the 49ers. They're not peaking right now. They're not playing their best football. There's issues to where they came back to the pack. It just I never remember a year where it being – I don't remember me ever going to a divisional round weekend so much as last, last week going, I mean, I know I picked this team, but I don't feel confident about yeah. it. It's really a coin flip. Like it, it was more this year than ever before. It's been a crazy year, and I guess that's going to lead us to a crazy Super Bowl. And I'll see you in Vegas. See you in Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby. I know. I wish you were staying longer. I know. Uh, But, hey, you know where to find us. Monday, it will be me and Ahmed in Vegas, okay? Ask me anything. Bring out your best stuff. It's going to be a great week. I wish Ahmed was was staying longer. We would have lots of drinking and debauchery (laughs) and lots of fun to have fun there in Las Vegas. But full week, look at NBC Sports. Florio and I will be on all week. Chris Sims on button will continue to go on from Vegas. Ahmed will be there with me on Monday. Please send in questions, anything you want me to dissect. I'm going to continue to dissect the breakdown of this football game, give you a few other angles to look at as far as the game on Monday. Hope everybody enjoyed the pod. Have a great weekend of no football. Mm. It kind of sucks. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself, but I'll figure out a way to survive. All right, everybody. Peace out. Clap it up. Clap it up. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.